You're listening to episode 215 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. God. What's that? Oh, God. Oh, my God! I am Rachel Phil. I've been revived after dying last week. <laughs> and I am here to put you all in your place for opening mm. bits. I'm stronger, more youthful. <laughs> and I am here to take over the world and cleanse it of its filth. <laughs> 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 I, I thought I thought I'd been feeling pretty good this week. Um, I, I I wondered how he was gonna get resurrected, but I guess now we know. For that- those of you who don't who don't watch on YouTube, uh, you're 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 right for doing that because we just saw Phil in a bathtub nude. No, 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 no he, he was in a pit. He was in the Lazarus oh, I'm pit, sorry. Sean. Okay, yeah, come right. on. He was in the Lazarus pit. Uh, of course, he's here to revive. And he had his he had his official Lazarus shorts on. You know, his <laughs> his Lazarus bathing shorts. I thought I saw his Lazarus dong. <laughs> Don't say his that. Lazarus YouTube will bit? come for us again. <laughs> oh, that's true. Bit. That's for the OnlyFans. <laughs> hey, OnlyFans, tune into the OnlyFans to see the bits. The Lazarus bits. That's <laughs> great. The racial lil Phil. <laughs> so I think what's interesting about this is it now, you know, it's canon in the comics pals lore that Phil is not a mutant. Oh, oh you're right. Oh yeah. Hmm. So that's a good point. How does that? Oh, all right. I guess. Kale, are you a mutant? He has to be. He's I'm the a... one who's been birthing us. I'm gold balls. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. 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 The real Shoot. question, Sean, is: Are you a mutant? Because you haven't died. Yeah. And uh, I don't plan to. So maybe that's my mutant power. You kidding me? All those fucking allergies you got? You're two steps from it. That's a good point. That's that's uh, that's a good point. Somebody just needs to turn left one day and you're toast, man. Uh, now you're making me feel bad. Oh, all right. What did I miss? There we go. We're doing a show, right? What did you miss? What the hell did we miss? I just saw you nude. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that's the first time. I'm gonna, well, no. that's fair. I'm going to have to edit out your Lazarus bits. <laughs> that was what you missed. Yeah, Phil, is that we came up with a great new name for your dick for the OnlyFans. And that we've confirmed now canonically that you're not a mutant. Okay, there's no OnlyFans. I have to put that out there because this is like the third week in a row. There's no OnlyFans. Can we be, can we be, can we be only X-Mans? No. <laughs> That sucked anyway. Yeah, that's Sean. <laughs> Sean, I'm I'm about to make a liar out of you. Hold on. <laughs> He's no, gonna do it. He's all hundred percent. Give me a second. How what, funny whatever would it you're be? doing now, stop. Oh, you're right. We're on the show. We're on the show. Exactly. Thanks. How we'll funny it would it be if instead of uh, a Patreon, we had an OnlyFans? Probably make more money, honestly. Mm. Yeah. I feel like everyone has an OnlyFans these days anyways. People that aren't, you know. Listen. So, Sean, what are you saying? You're 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 leaving us outside of a, of a revenue stream. I don't understand. <laughs> right. I am. We'll Listen, have my, to live on somehow. My resurrection to the Lazarus Pit, that's going to drive viewership through the roof. We just gave oh, that yeah. away for free. You That's kidding right. me? The the live ticker right now it's it's going up. <laughs> it's going up. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's not even have let's to get not this even, shit on the OnlyFans. 
Oh my god. <laughs> we can't sh- never mind. Okay. Thank sure we you can. for joining us today. I I don't know why you're here, but uh I appreciate you being here anyways. Uh we've we've got a lot of things to talk about this week. We're gonna be reviewing three books. Ten of Swords may be over, but we're still for some reason we still feel like reviewing comics. I don't know why. So that's what we're here to do, among other things. Um, we're reviewing King in Black, number one. The hotly anticipated King in Black. Batman Catwoman, number one. And Strange Adventures, number one. Or seven, rather. Um, all of those books are exciting to varying degrees. And we've got things to say about them. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> and some big, big <laughs> news to come. So stay tuned for all that. If you guys want to know how you can connect with us and follow us wherever we go, wherever you are, here are the ways you can do that. You can get us on social media at The Comics Pals. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can listen to us on a variety of podcast hosting platforms while you're there. Whichever one it is that you choose, make sure that you leave us a like or a rating, whatever it is, on your, your podcast hosting platform of choice. Uh, give us that five-star review. We really appreciate those. If you are on YouTube, I'm sorry about what you just had to see. <laughs> uh, every week is not But if like you're that, on OnlyFans, the last few weeks, everyone will love oh it. Oh, my God. There has been more uh, nudity on this podcast, more top-level nudity on this show than, uh, than ever before. In fact, quite frankly, based on what we just saw, I think we might end up banned on YouTube. Uh, we can't. We're not allowed hey. to show that much breast. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it, at least it wasn't bottom level nudity. You're right. At least it wasn't. Um, <laughs> For that, click no. the link in the bio. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you can come and join us on Discord, where the conversations from this show uh, jump over, and we're always having a fun time over there. Uh, this week, I can't remember a single thing we talked about, but uh, I'm sure it was a great time. I feel like the Weeb Central channel was uh, really popping. I I watched Marco. and finished. Actually, it's me. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> what, what, how would Phil know? <laughs> great point. I watched and finished Neon Genesis Evangelion this week, and uh, who boy. It's a doozy. It's it's not. It's not for the faint of heart. Never and seen it. I've always meant to. Very good. The yeah, the film is buck wild. You th- you think seeing uh, Phil's Lazarus bits were crazy? <laughs> they got lots of Lazarus bits in uh, the Evangelion? amount. The amount of nudity and Catholic uh, Catholic guilt is uh off the charts in that film so you're promoting the movie based on the amount of new what podcast is this <laughs> <laughs> listen it's the, i need you guys to clean it the up the only pals oh my god <laughs> phil just got phil out of the is. bathtub what do you mean clean it up oh whoa whoa whoa, whoa. i got out of the lazarus pit all right i assume uh, i assume you soaked yourself and shampooed you're not gonna come out of there dirty. We we have much more much more normal conversations on our Discord server. 
So come join us. There's a link in the description as always. You just click that. Come hang out. You can speak to us. You can speak to the rest of the people on our Discord. Come join the uh, party. Uh, we've got some good book clubs out. We just put out the Kingdom Come book club. That's pretty cool. Uh, it was a good conversation, I thought. And uh, if you like that book for whatever reason, I mean, for all of the reasons. Uh, <laughs> hey, I like the book. Way to yeah, sell it. Way that to sounded sell like it. a dig. No, yeah. it, there's a lot of reasons to like the book. If you like the book, come listen to that. I think you'll enjoy our conversation. And then we've got, for the month of December, uh, we're, we're killing the year, ending the year with Hicksville. That's right. That was that was a really yeah. good one, too. Yeah. Um, that was a, a kale pick actually uh none of us except kale had ever read it i think and i'm sure a lot of you at home listening have never uh, read it so now's your chance to catch up and uh participate i'm sure us. none of you at home have read it <laughs> <laughs> now i'm the one doing digs i mean to be fair it was it's a little tougher to come by you know like it's definitely it's an older i book, love that that so. shit is still within arm's length of you pete yeah, right. <laughs> it's just here. Well, actually, you know what? It's funny. I forgot to do this. Can you just real quick rewind and say the other book club? Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Gotcha. <laughs> we just put out the Kingdom Come book club. So. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Clean, clean your desk, dude. Jeez. <laughs> If we're doing rewinds, we can go all the way back to the Lazarus pit. Let's not. No, <laughs> yes. no. Instead of that, good. let's actually take a question from the Discord. Uh, we get those, and uh, we like to read those questions on the air. Of course, tons of people did answer this question on the Discord itself, uh, including a couple of us. But we'll still take the question and read it on the air. So, Pete, why don't you take it away? So would you say that that means it's time for the random question of the week? Yeah, I think Pete, you're you're losing <laughs> okay. some of your your volume. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I was well, not I, very impressed. I say you guys, we're, I, I, you guys got sensitive ears, oh. you know, and I'm trying to look out for you. We're getting older. I know our hearing's getting a little bit more sensitive. You know, Kale's already lost it. So, well, <laughs> what? In more ways than one. I think I think actually your your voice may have affected this person because their name on Discord is Delirious Ear. <laughs> Isn't that Harris? Yeah, this one. It uh, is Harris. This one. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is of course our, our buddy Harris. Uh, and Harris wrote in and said, "What creator? What character slash creator has made you drop or steer away from a title due to burnout? Negative points if you choose Liefeld or Bendis." <laughs> I like yeah. that caveat. I like I like that it's both the character and the creator because I think you see a lot of that too. You know, where like you get a little. Just sick of seeing the same character over and over and over again, and you you get that burnout there as well. It's funny because the first for characters, a big red flag nine times out of ten for me is actually Deadpool. I figured, yeah, that huh. would come up. Um, I didn't always dislike Deadpool, but there, there's such a thing. It's like the Harley Quinn thing, where like there's a, such a oversaturation of a character in media that sometimes if you see the character. It's the same thing with the Joker, too, where it's like, ah, this could go one of two ways. I, I want to I, – I, I hear you. I want to make this conversation about characters that you actually like, characters that you engage with 
but you're burned out on maybe uh, stuff like that. Hmm. Well, it used to be Wolverine then, mm-hmm. like in the 2000s. Okay. So if you choose a character, it has to be a character you actually enjoy and would normally yeah. read. If you choose a creator, yeah. same thing. You can't choose someone you don't like. Yeah, so definitely Wolverine at one point, because in the 2000s, Wolverine was in every book possible. Mm. And I love Wolverine. He's a great character. But, man, when you were reading, like, eight books a week or whatever, and Wolverine's in, like, four of them, it's like, okay, man, I'm good. <laughs> That's not a lie. Like, yeah. Um, he was in a lot. <clears throat> um, Marco, you actually answered on Discord, so why don't you share your answer with us now? Um, so that, uh, wasn't the actual answer. That was just like in response to it. Um, my, uh, actually it was, um, uh, for me, it was Scooby-Doo. It was (laughs) after the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what? So Scooby-Doo apocalypse was, uh, something that had (laughs) been, that was written like after, um, the New 52 stuff. Yeah. 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 And. It was being written by J.M. No, yeah, J.M. Dematisse, yeah, and then um, Keith Giffen, yeah, and I had classic team. I had picked up. Um, I had been reading Justice League Dark at that point, and I liked um, Dematisse's work. And he was on this book, so I'm like, okay, let me pick it up. But at some point, it transitioned to being heavier on the Keith Giffen side, <laughs> and I hate his writing. Like, I, I oh, there's, wow. just, there's something about it that I cannot get by. And it turned me off on the the Scooby Doo DC franchise stuff, and um, I so I'm I'm disappointed anytime I see like a new Scooby Doo series because I'm not I'm no longer interested in trying to, to read that or pick it up or something. That's so weirdly specific. <laughs> yeah. Man, to knock him, Keith Giffen, he's a legend. Yo, I read like 25 issues of that book, and I was like, all right, at, at some point I was just like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I can't. It took you 25 issues to realize you didn't like something. No, no, it took me like 19, but it, it I, I kept going because I'm like, maybe there's hope at the end of this. <laughs> wow. And said there was a, uh, there was no Scooby Snacks at the end of that tunnel. There were no Scooby Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> God, what an interesting answer. Hmm, okay, I got an example of a book. Uh, so in the late 2000s, there was uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's uh, Superman run, which is excellent. And they, it, it kind of uh, coalesced into this giant event called New Krypton. And it was excellent in the beginning. Basically, the idea was that Krypton came back. But if I remember correctly, they like grew the, the lost city of Kandor and they were able to turn it into a whole planet. It was very close to Krypton. Uh, Jeff Johns got less and less involved as the project went along because he had to do other stuff because he's Jeff Johns. He's busy. And uh, other people like... Uh, uh, Robinson and who else was on that title? Like, kind of took it over and finished it off, and like it just—it was diminishing returns big time. Uh, uh for me, I think I think I have to go with Scott Snyder. Um, mm. his name on a title is no longer a, a, a draw. It, it doesn't. I don't see his name now and go, oh, I got I to gotta get that. Scott Snyder. Uh, I, I, I think about reading his work and I get exhausted before I even start. Me too. Because it's so wordy and it's like all over the place a lot of times. And I, I, I'm trying to think as to when that started. Um, 
it's it's a more recent thing for sure within the last couple of years i just yeah i just can't really get with him the way i used to what was that book he did between death metals and like uh dark knight metals the the, the last night on earth that was that was the book where i was like all right that's what i'm saying whatever than that yeah it's weird because Scott Snyder used to be like, you know, he's, he top was a guy. big time yeah. guy. Like his Batman run, people were, yeah, he was a top guy. And I feel like somehow he's watered himself down to be. I, I think to some extent it's his like superhero genre stuff. Cause I know for anything horror, like he, he typically knocks it like out of the park. And um, to, to the point you're making Phil about Batman, like, that was my answer mm-hmm. in the Discord. Um, was for for that specifically was I I stopped after Endgame, where I, I didn't have any interest in like the um, was it Bloom or like the the Rabbit Gordon suit or whatever. That there was just a lot there that I I wasn't interested in, and um, that's when it started for me, Sean, where I started feeling that. But I think that's specific to his superhero stuff because his horror books and Image, which is excellent, um. Any like some of the American Vampire reboot stuff like was good. I think it's I think it's genre specific for him. Well, the thing is that for me, it's not even necessarily that I think what he's doing is bad. It's just that I'm tired of it. Mm. Um, his 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 style, I'm tired of. You know, like the way he writes. Uh, it's just everything I read from him is like overwrought. I remember even reading uh, what was that one horror book he did. Uh, about like in the, the ocean and the, like um wake what's it called the depths or the wake thank you the wake that was pretty good it was it was it was definitely uh, a really enjoyable series but even with that i remember and that was a while mm-hmm. ago i remember thinking man this dude writes a lot like there's a lot of words <laughs> in pages it it as the, old, the older of god just the less patience i have for just wordiness Tom King does the same thing a lot of times where like I think of Heroes in Crisis and it's just like word balloons everywhere. It's like, guys, let's can Well, and and Tom King was actually going to be my answer. Uh, I knew it. Because same. it's like, I mean, and and we, we talked a, a little bit about this um, in, in our personal chat. He just had this like meteoric rise and fall like came up uh with a couple of miniseries and then all of a sudden he was doing a long stint on batman you know the top selling book at dc and then he had an event um and now like even his miniseries don't feel very good like i'm not having a good time with strange adventures and uh spoiler alert for batcat it's not great I just like I'm tired of his slow burn. I nothing happening bullshit. <laughs> like, and 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 I and I think I think there's some of that too that grinds his his sort of um, dare I say arrogance on you know around his personality and with the way his um, his career has taken off. Uh, you know, he uh, he got that dude thrown off, uh, his editor thrown off the, the Batman book because they had a disagreement about the artist. And it's like, who the fuck are you? And I just, like, I'm just, I'm just tired. Comics theater. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was, that was bad. 
Yeah, uh, Kale, uh, when you mentioned, um, when you mentioned, uh, or yeah, when you, um, not you, uh, when Marco mentioned the, the, the artist on Rorschach, the, uh, the cover art. Yes. What artist was that? Jay Lee. Jay Lee. Yeah. That was Jay, Jay Lee. Yeah. That wasn't cool. That, that was, that was a tipping point for me on, uh, on Tom as a human. But hey, you know, uh, in terms of the personal stuff, we don't know him. He definitely deserves the benefit of the doubt. But there have been some some things that were a little, little, little funny. Um, and we will be reviewing two Tom King books today. Double dose. Um, yeah. So lots of Tom King to come. Apparently, we're a Tom King stand cast. <laughs> I don't know though. Like, are we anymore? We used to be. Um, and it's funny because. Oh, we're still doing his books, so <laughs> to, uh, we must be. To build off what Kale said, I, I think I feel the same way, but um, slightly differently. Because, like, I, I said in our the private chat that he referenced earlier that, like, I think that people have definitely been a little bit quick to flip on him, given, like, his career, you know, and, like, how it's been kind of an odd trajectory. Because it, like, in the grand scheme of things, um, there haven't been... I don't know, like... It, it, I don't feel like uh, I'm at the point where I'm 100% out on him yet, but I definitely relate to what you said about Scott Snyder, uh, Sean, and that was like where my mind went to Tom King of like, I used to think of him as like the guy and like, oh, he's one of my favorite writers, like he's one of the hot, you know, new voices that's really going to be driving the industry the next couple years, and you know, now when I see his name on a book, my immediate my immediate thought is always cautious optimism of it, it could be as good as, uh, you know, a vision or a sheriff or, you know, any of his, his earlier work that, you know, it's I think we all connected. Now. Right. Um, but that's also the thing, right? Is that like sophomore slumps happen, like good people put out bad work. That's not unheard of. And, you know, just because he, the last few things he've, he's put out haven't hit doesn't mean that he doesn't have it anymore. Sure. Um, but in the same breath, like, I don't have the same enthusiasm for his work that I did, you know, just a few years ago. We talked about this during Heroes in Crisis because I've definitely soured on him as well. To, I, I think truly to be like a top tier author, you have to be able to write about different things in different ways. And so many of the greats in the last 30 years have been able to do that. And it's not even like the guys who are in like the Z tier of authors, your Alan Moores and Graham Morrison's or whatever, but guys like maybe in that next tier, like your Rick Remenders and whatnot, they're able to do this where they're able to take different genres and themes and write about it in creative ways. It requires just more dimension as a, as a creator, but with Tom King and Scott Snyder so often, it's just like the same type of stuff over and over again. And like with Tom and and with Scott, like this stuff was really fresh when they broke on the scene, and it was like they they were hungry uh, authors. But man, how many times can you tell the same type of story over and over? Yeah, uh, you're not wrong, and uh, I think I think in the case of Tom more than Scott, uh, it would be really interesting to see what else Tom has in the chamber as far as creator own stuff because we do get to see that from Scott every now and then and yeah uh, certainly with him at least in my opinion it's more of a style thing that again don't think he's bad just kind of exhausted by his work with yeah. Tom 
uh, a lot of the work that we, I mean, all of the work that we cite that as not enjoying is the DC stuff. And he hasn't put out anything creator owned since Sheriff of Babylon. If I, I think, I think I'm correct on that. I, no, you're I right. haven't read yeah. it. Yep. Um, yeah. So I would be curious to see if we still have the same issues. Now, mind you, I personally believe that with Tom, it is execution. Uh, I, I think it, it is his way of working that is kind of tiresome at this point. Mm-hmm. But maybe if he had, uh, you know, no restrictions at all, he would do something different. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird, too, though, because you think about it, right? And, like, he's been given the keys to some yeah. sought-after stuff. And, like, you'd think that he'd be able to deliver on it. But it's also, like... I don't know. We talked about this with his Batman run like years ago now at this point, right? Where it's like not all writers have the same strengths and like some writers are, you know, and not artists too, right? Are made for like the monthly grind and some are not. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that like he just has too much on his plate too. That like if he wasn't writing Strange Adventures and Rorschach and Bat and Cat, maybe one of them would be good, you know? And like... I think that 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 could be part of the problem is that like because he had that meteoric rise and they want to put him on a bunch of books and sell the name, you know, they'll give him the keys to these things. But then he's not he's not able to really get it there because he's he's got too much on his plate. Well, um, my, and this is my last point. I think with Tom, it's actually kind of unique in that I don't think that the work that he chooses or the work that he gets is a part of that monthly grind in the same way. That's true. Other than Batman, all of these books are um, miniseries. Batcat, at least for now, is not releasing monthly. Um, and so I, I I don't know if he really falls into that category in the same way that someone like a Bendis would. And in Fair the enough. case of Snyder, my man has done one book at DC, <laughs> he's only I think ever. yeah he's only really ever done one to two books at a time. Um, because when he was on Batman, that was the only thing he was doing, and then he went over to Justice League, and that was the only thing he did. So, mm. um, yeah, interesting conversation. Hopefully, you enjoyed that, uh, Harris. And if you guys want to write in to us to talk to us and ask us these kind of questions, you can do so by writing in at thecomicspals.gmail.com or just hitting us up on Discord. Uh, We have a questions section there, and you can throw your question in, and we will almost assuredly read it on the air. Sorry. Uh, No, I was just going to say, and and for people who are interested in, like, uh, further understanding of, like, where we sort of sat with Tom King, uh, episode 27, one of our early episodes, uh, we had a whole conversation, a spotlight on him, some of his books, and, and where he was at that point. So maybe a wow. good comparison. Point. I thought that oh, that wow. spotlight was way later. No, me too. Yeah, wow. when you that's, say twenty-seven, that's really surprising. That's year one. Twenty seventeen. Amazing. Yeah. There's fucking nothing. He was doing nothing at that time, so of course we liked him. <laughs> Gosh, what would it? What would he have been on at that point? He had just uh, wrapped on like he would have finished Vision. Omega Men. What a good book. Yeah, because wow. it would have been, because that was when we got into him, right? Was that yeah. we, we did the Omega Men short box with yeah. the Long Box Boys, and then we did Sheriff for the book Vision. club. Vision. That's yeah. what he would have, he would have yeah. just finished Vision, I think. Okay. Yes, I mean, at that point, like, he was 
fucking hot shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was so high on him in 2017. Good God. How could you not be? Those were the three books that he had under his belt, and they were all fucking great. Yeah. And then he took on Batman. And Phil, didn't you read his? Uh, didn't you read his prose book Me? for that? No, I, Scott Snyder had a prose book. I read. Uh, I think Marco read it. I yeah, I read it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, it was Marco something oh. something in the sky? Uh, I forgot what it was. Yeah, but it, was, it was it was good. It was it was good. Well, Marco, uh, let's continue with you speaking. You can speak on crossover number two. So crossover was or is an image book, and it was the one that we had discussed, um, where we had like tried to figure out what the title was and all this stuff, and it turned out to be like a really meta sort of conversation on comics in general. And I thought it was really really interesting. Uh, the writing was pretty strong, the characterizations, um, and the concept for me. I like those heady concepts where you you discuss what the fans. And how they react to comics, and and maybe some are, are how they how they sort of view older comics versus newer comics. How people buy, um, it it touches on a lot of what I guess we sort of discuss on the show a lot. And for that reason, um, I I'm I'm sticking with it. I I really like the where the sort of plot is going, and um, it hooked me on on issue one, which is I think rare sometimes. Um, and the art has been excellent. So. Uh, would definitely recommend if you guys are interested to pick it up. Uh, it is by Donnie Cates. Yeah, Donnie Cates, and the artist is D. Cuniff, Jeff Shaw, and John J. Hill. All doing really good stuff. If there was a Scooby Doo crossover in the crossover book, would you keep reading it? Damn, bro, I might have to drop it. <laughs> I bought the first issue, haven't gotten around to it, but. Given your endorsement, I will make sure to check it out before number two comes out. I, I'd be interested to hear what you think. It, it's it's very um, it, it it just touches on a lot, Ooh. and and I'd, I'd be curious to hear what you say. Well, what do you say about Giga number two? Man, all right. So this is Alex Packnadel. I am super like lukewarm on his stuff. Friendo was not interesting at all when I read it from Vault Comics, although it was like supposed to be this really great book. Um I didn't think so. This, so uh, this is on your this is on your recommended list? <laughs> no, no, no. But but Giga Giga was an interesting concept. It's um in this like post apocalyptic future where these uh almost like um Zoids Zords have they're like gods have stopped working and and people are just living within the sort of shells and remnants of all of um of them and the world is interesting but and i'm i'm just cautious about pack nadell's writing generally um so i'm like touch and go on the series i had a discussion with someone in the discord i think it was sultan um or maybe it might have been um snake of talons but I'm I'm still lukewarm on it. I'm gonna give it another shot, uh, or this issue too, at least, to see where it sort of goes and how I feel about it. Um, but if not, I don't know. Alex uh, Alex is hit or miss, and he has a new TKO book, Red Fork, that I'm I'm trying to get, but I'm nervous because it's Alex Pagnadel. <laughs> you're trying to get it, but you're nervous. <laughs> I I don't know. I I actually also bought Giga number one. And I bought it only because of the fact that it included robots. 
Um, mm. <laughs> I, I really, really love robots. So um, I want to read it. Now I have to read it before Wednesday because I have <laughs> to decide how I feel about Pac Nadell. So let me know how you feel about Pac Nadell. <laughs> Uh, let's shoot over to Kale, who chose Adventure Man Volume 1. So this is, uh, Matt Fraction's newest one with, uh, Terry Moore, I believe. Oh. Uh, so that's, 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 uh, that's a team. That's a hot team. Uh, and y'all yeah, know I'm sick. all about a Fraction book, so, um, don't know what it's about. It's got a killer team, though, so I'm here. I think it's some kind of steampunky uh indiana jones that's adventure what it looks like yeah oh shit so yeah could do a lot worse who'd, than that that's who'd you say was on art terry, terry moore <laughs> terry moore because <laughs> i'm looking at adventure man number one and it says it's terry and rachel dodson oh that's who i was sorry it's Dodson. okay why was that who's terry that's even that's actually i was gonna say way... i like i actually that's, I actually yeah. like them better. So that's yeah. Is Terry Moore somebody? Uh, Who's Terry Moore? I I hadn't heard of this. At looking at like, yeah, Terry Moore. Yeah, Terry Moore is somebody else. Yeah. Um, Doesn't do like a lot of horror stuff or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, but no, this looks like steampunky vibes. It kind of like reminds me of um, just looking at the cover of Adventure Man number one. It kind of looks like like a Bioshock Infinite kind of vibe a little yeah. bit, which yeah. is a similar kind of like steampunky retro um future kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah. nice. and, uh, terry, terry moore is famous for like strangers in paradise i know um matt murphy's a big that's big maybe fan. that's what i was thinking of yeah terry dotson is who i was thinking of sorry yeah. sorry 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 no you're love those you're uh, you're uh yeah your excitement is well worth it i was wondering why i wasn't even excited by that name I was, what's wrong here <laughs> Uh, yeah, but um, that's on my radar now. That's cool. I want to check this out. Yeah, I love I love the two of them. Kale, do you happen to know if this is a collected version of the issues that came out, or is this how this book is being released? Uh, it looks I like think, it's collected. I think it's collected. I yeah, because I remember uh, Ted Brandt talking about it a lot when I was on Twitter. Uh huh. And he he's a big big fan of the book. So says here on uh, Comicsology, it's one through four. Yeah, cool. Kale also chose Rise of Ultraman number four. Yeah, I think similar to Marco. I don't know how I feel about this book. Um, especially I think because I'm watching the Ultraman Z. Uh, show on youtube uh because the subaria company is releasing their stuff on uh on youtube for free right now um i i'm kind of bored by this rise of the ultraman story it's very slow it's very americanized like it's it's what you would expect from uh the guy that rebooted power rangers kyle griffin Higgins. Close. Higgins? Higgins. I'm looking at it. Um it's it's very it's a very slow burn. Like we haven't seen I don't think we've seen Ultraman take on a monster yet. Oh man. And there's 
there's some sort of brooding mystery about a secret underground cabal and it makes the it makes the um the the agency that they work for uh uh a shadow corporation or whatever and i'm just like that's not interesting to me right now that's not what ultraman needs so All right. I, I'm gonna. It's a mini series. I think it's uh, five issues. So I'll I'll see it through. But um, I don't know. Phil, uh, you chose Dead Man Omnibus. That's exciting. Yeah, I like when they do things like this, where they kind of release like a giant collected edition for like lesser known characters, I guess. Uh, so this is this is Dead Man, and if you happen to you know listen to our Kingdom Come book club, Dead Man is in Kingdom Come. So there's a nice little crossover. I'm not the Mark is not the only one that can do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, this collects just a myriad of different stuff. You know, there's Strange Adventures, uh, 205 through uh, 26, uh, two, uh, 216. Uh, there's Brave and the Bold stuff. There's issues of Aquaman. Uh, Challengers of the Unknown, Justice League of America, and Ooh. so forth. There's a lot. And, uh, and there's Dead Man's uh, uh, miniseries from the 80s. And some of the creators behind Ayers are, are some of the big names in uh, our favorite industry's history, including Neil Adams and Jerry Conway. Uh, so I really like Boston Brand. I really like DC's kind of um, supernatural, paranormal type characters. I know uh, Marco is a big fan of those characters as well. Yeah, uh, I think this is a this is a, a nice little treat. That um, challenges of the unknown issue called out. It's number seventy four. So in that yes. one, uh, uh, Swamp Thing actually crosses over the challenges of the unknown, and Dead Man is there, and they like all have a collective adventure. Do you um, remember that issue uh, well? Yeah, 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 it's cool. It's funny. I I looked this up on Amazon, and um, you know how like they'll do that frequently <laughs> bought together thing. They have this, a Spectre um, oh. Omnibus, and then the Legion of oh. Superheroes, and the total pr- price is $342. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, are those frequently bought together, Amazon? Are people frequently buying $400 <laughs> worth of Omnibuses at a time? Maybe. You know I, I think there is a certain class of... I think there's a certain class of collector who just does go hard in the paint like that. For Fair enough. Like that. There's, you'll see images on Twitter and Reddit sometimes of people showing up with their bookcases, and it's just like a showcase of really expensive omnibuses, absolute editions, library editions, and so forth. Um, You're right, Phil. It is a different class. It's not the middle class. It is. <laughs> wow. It's the 1%. I see how it is. The elite. uh cool so then pete and i both chose marauders 16 yeah um so i'm i said this in our our x of swords review i'm really excited to kind of get back to business as usual um with the x-men and like pick up the threads that we were like actually interested in um and this you know looks to do that i think like if you look at the cover um it looks like we're finally going to kind of revisit the whole shaw conflict and actually see some resolution there, which is nice because it feels like that kind of got just shuffled off to the side while we dealt with this, you know, bigger conflict or whatever. Um, also, the cover is by Russell Dodderman, who I'm going to just Ooh. every single time they bring it up, I'm going to be like, or every time that their name gets brought up, I'm going to be like, please put Russell Dodderman on a fucking regular one of these books. Like, 
I want more from from him. And like his association with all these Xbox has been great, but man, like, like why can't he do the interiors on Marauders? <laughs> like, come on, yo, for real. Like that would be sick. Like I, I don't know. I'm such a fan of what of what uh, he's been bringing to the table. So great cover. Yeah, uh, this should be this should be enjoyable. I'm excited to continue with the X Men. I I actually can't remember if I pulled Hellions this week or not, but that was the first book that they put out post Ten of Swords, and so uh, I'm very anxious to dive into the post Ten of Swords world and and get into the reign of X Men. So this should be a good uh, a good continuation. All right. So we're going to jump into the news and we're going to start with something that doesn't look like it pertains to our show, but I think you'll find that it does. Uh, Warner Media has announced that in 2021, they will release their entire film slate on HBO Max and in theaters day and yes. date. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Let's go. Now, Marco's happy. Phil is sad. Yeah. This is obviously a massive announcement. It's 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 probably one of the most significant announcements that we've had about theaters and and streaming services in the last 20 to 30 years. I mean, this is enormous uh and it includes I mean it, it includes a ton of movies. When you think about the amount of films that they actually had done and ready to put out for 2021. It is staggering. Uh, I do want to read before we get into that list a statement from Warner Media's CEO Ann Sarnoff. Uh, she said, "We're living in unprecedented times, which call for creative solutions, including this new initiative for the Warner Brothers Pictures Group." No one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We know new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have to balance this with the reality that most theaters in the U.S. will likely operate at reduced capacity throughout 2021. With this unique one-year plan, we can support our partners in exhibition with a steady pipeline of world-class films while also giving moviegoers who may not have access to theaters or aren't quite ready to go back to the movies the chance to see our amazing 2021 films. We see it as a win-win for film lovers and exhibitors, and we're extremely grateful to our filmmaking partners for working with us on this innovative response to these circumstances. Now, before you guys jump in, I want to say a couple of things so that we're all on the same page. One, this is the same deal that they had with Wonder Woman in that the movie will come out on the same day, but it'll be gone in one month. So you won't be able to oh. just, you know, watch, uh, for example, Dune three months later if you feel like you want to on HBO Max. You got to be there when it drops within that one month window. I hadn't heard that part. Two, based on what I've read. This is not something that uh, theater groups were aware of beforehand. They agreed to Wonder Woman as a one-shot. Warner Brothers took that and then made the, the decision unilaterally to do this for all their, uh, for all their movies. And, and that this is very specifically 2021 only. So those are the things I want you to keep in mind as you respond to this. 
I had one other question I wanted to get clarified before we jump into the conversation, which is, Sean, can you speak to uh, – is there talk of an additional cost for these films in the way that there was with Mulan yes. on Disney yeah. Plus? There is. No, no. I, I was also curious oh, about okay, that. Oh, yeah. okay. There is, there is no additional cost. Uh, the one incredible caveat is that HBO Max currently offers you a free trial. That – free trial offer will expire before Wonder Woman comes out, meaning that mm. you have to actually be a subscriber in order to watch anything on HBO Max. But the timeline of it is such that they will not allow freebies for these films. But but you don't have to pay more to watch them. Okay. I mean, that's reasonable. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, this is obviously crazy. Like you said, this is one of the biggest pieces of Potentially one of the biggest pieces of media news, at least when it, as it pertains to movies, in the, like since the advent of the uh, the multiplex, you know, where this could this could totally change the game because they say it's a one year experiment. You know, I I think there could be some truth to that because I think it's likely that they make more money on the model of you know you go to the movie, you pay a premium to see it then you pay more to see it again on their streaming service or, you know, on uh, VOD services like Amazon Prime or something like that. So I have to imagine that – I have to imagine that that status quo is something that people want to maintain because I have to imagine that being able to monetize the film multiple times like that is key to maximizing their profit. So it could just be that – what they're saying on their fa- on its face is true and that this is a COVID-specific thing and that when we can return to business as usual, we will. But there's also the chance that they find that they get millions of new HBO Max subscribers from this strategy that do what most people do with the streaming service once they get one, which is set it and forget it. And they're like, ah, what's $10 a month? I want to watch Mortal Kombat later this year or whatever, so I'll keep it for the few months where there's nothing in between. You know, and and if that works, that could mean more money in their pocket than what they're getting through the traditional model, and they'll say, fuck it. Because if you want to go to the movies, you can. But if you don't, they're getting your money anyway. I think to, to that model, though, it, it's going to take years of transition. Like, it's going to take time to transition to something like that where that becomes viable, which I think likely the plan is going to be that they're not going to just do this for COVID times. Like they said, the uh, Wonder Woman movie was the one movie that they were going to try this with. And then they whipped out this news, right? It's like, like oh, what, a year's worth. Never mind. Yeah. Like what's to say then it's like, oh, at the end of the year or even halfway through, it's like, oh, you know what? Actually, we're just doing this period, right? This is now our new business model. This is something to, to uh, that we're integrating into the operations of what we do. Um, I think for for me and and we've had this conversation in the past like this is something that i've wanted because i you know i i i go to the i would go to the movie theaters but it wouldn't be like such a frequent experience and um actually this was a conversation we'd had in the discord but for me i i want more than just going in to sit and watch the movie on a big screen and with like high quality sound like obviously there's an elevated experience there but I don't think that that's enough for the amount of money that I'm paying. And for that, I'd rather sacrifice those qualities for something cheaper where I can experience in the comfort of what I'm used to. 
And one of those things is like eating during during a movie, you know, having a drink during a movie, experiencing it in a like in a large, comfortable seat, um, which are things that theaters have tried to do to accommodate people. Um, like for me, Nighthawk in, in Brooklyn was one of those theaters that I would definitely enjoy to go enjoy going to. I pick as well. I was choosing those more premium experiences because that's what I wanted out of a movie theater and how I wanted out of a movie going experience. So if if I can get that at home right now, that's awesome, right? Where I can cook my food, I can open up a bottle of wine, I can sit down, watch a movie, and sure, it's not you know a huge screen, and the surround the the you know the fight's not going to happen on on this side and on this side, but I I don't care because I'm I'm getting it in the the comfortability of what I want to experience, and for me this is a, a super positive win, and I'm sure that I'm. I'm not the only one out there. Like I'm probably an example of the kind of audience that they're trying to cater to. And if that is the people, if that's the people that they're trying to reach to now because of the conditions of the pandemic, um, and they happen to scoop up people like me who would have been inclined for this anyway, I think that that's a positive on their end. The long-term ramifications of this um, is obviously probably going to be negative for movie theaters, especially if they consider if they decide to keep pushing this out. Um, and extend it for more than the year that they say they are, which I think they probably are. Um, but I don't know. I, I this is this is something I think positive for the consuming end, um, at least for the people who want this kind of experience. It doesn't seem well. According so, according to Polygon. Uh, they released an article about this that uh, the headline says uh, HBO Max isn't the future of movies, but it is a panicked plan. And one of these things that sort of speaks, I guess, sort of against what Marco's saying is like uh, the the article says uh, HBO Max currently has under 13 million subscribers, well below Disney Plus, Netflix, and, and even Amazon. Despite the offer of free signups to AT&T cell phone and internet subscribers, which they're looking at upwards of 20 million potential customers to sign up to HBO Max. And like you have to look at this slate of films that are on this list, right? Like not even the ones that are like outside our, you know relevancy to our conversation. Like there's some big names on here, right? Like mm-hmm. Suicide Squad, Matrix, Dune, uh, Space Jam, in, Mortal Kombat. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, but just to to throw that out there, like those are are those are things that will attract people to HBO Max. And if HBO Max walks away, or you know Warner walks away from this year with seeing HBO Max subscriptions rivaling their other competitors, and like they're really raking in the money with it, like ah, what Marco's saying, I don't I don't think it's impossible, but. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think I don't think it's impossible. And I wonder to what extent we'll also see like increases or surges during movie times and then cancellations, right? Where like yeah. that that becomes the the that becomes the quote unquote ticket price, right? Um, but at the same time, you get more value out of that because you get to watch HBO shows, you get to watch whatever else content is there. You get to maybe for that period, there are two movies that are happening to come out. And you get to watch both simultaneously. Like there, you you get more of a bang for your buck there for that quote unquote ticket price. This is obviously um, 
in the short term, a heartbreaking announcement for, you know, fans of the movie going experience. Um, I, I include myself in that group. I would always choose to watch a film in theaters versus not. That's just how I prefer to um, watch new movies and have that experience. So I am disappointed. Not it, it, It's interesting. I'm not disappointed that they're doing this in general. Because the odds that I see any of these movies in theaters are low. That's just the reality, right? Like, we know... Especially... Especially within the this set of two years, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Right, exactly. I, I, as much as I want to see some of these movies, you know, the reality is that I probably wouldn't be able to at all if they did not choose this. Especially living in New York, uh, they're not going to be opening theaters. It's just not going to happen. And I don't have a car, and I'm not going to travel to 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 see a movie. I'm just not 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 as far as it would take me to be able to do it. So. Um, I'm out regardless, meaning that in this case, all right, fine, great. I get to watch Mortal Kombat. Sounds good. Um, but the 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 message, the narrative of this, uh, even though they're saying, hey, this is just a one-year deal, uh, I hope that they don't learn the wrong lesson from this. And I think it's very easy, right? So um, – you could look at this if it's a big success and say, wow, there are so many people who want to watch movies from their home and don't want to go to movie <coughs> theaters. But you could also look at it and say, wow, there are so many people who want to watch movies and HBO Max is offering movies and they don't want to go to movie theaters right now because they don't want to yeah. die. Right? Those are two very different things. And in my opinion, the, the, the second one is more like I personally believe that there are more people who want to go to the movies than there aren't. And I also believe that there's more profit involved for whatever studio is putting out the movie by having people go to the movies and then sign up for HBO Max down the road or buy the DVD than there is in just watching it on HBO Max. Um, and so I personally see this as a short-term solution to a problem that no one is, is happy exists. And it means that right now theaters have to lose. The problem is, and the reason why this is heartbreaking is because it, 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 in the short term, it means that anyone who could choose to go to the theater instead of sitting at home and watching it on HBO Max is unlikely to make that decision. So the money that they would have made by having Suicide Squad in theaters is going to be even less now that there is an option, which means that theaters lose out almost totally. And that really, really sucks. I I really think that we're going to, I think we're going to run the risk if, if, if we are looking at the reduced capacity throughout 2021, like it looks like we're going to. And like, honestly, a non-zero chance that it it go, that bleeds into 2022 because even if we get a vaccine next year like acceptance rate and you know like 
all of the all of the things that have to happen between there being a vaccine and it no longer being a, a danger to the point where we can just go do things like movies and comic cons and whatever without worrying about it is a, a potentially longer timeline than I think we're we're than a lot of us are comfortable uh, thinking about. And like when you're talking about you know at least massive movie theater chains like you know like an AMC or something like that. I, I think we really run the risk of them like filing for bankruptcy, potentially being bought by a Disney or a, a Time Warner or a, a Comcast or, or whatever. And, and, and then that being a further consolidation of the media landscape or seeing that level of theater, like the, the large movie chain go away entirely and seeing it be more of the kind of things that Marco called out earlier. I don't remember the the names of the establishments he called Nighthawk. out, but like um, Nighthawk, right? But like, I think like the chain example is like Alamo Drafthouse. I know that that's like a thing that's all across the country. And um, having the going to the movie theater experience become a more boutique thing, you know, and a thing where it is less of the multiplex let's get as many people as we can get in the room and you do have bigger seats and maybe you can order dinner and a drink and you know like a waiter can come to your table that kind of thing and it, it, it like the experience of the theater just changes you know and and i i think that that is i think that is the bigger risk than movie theaters just going away you know, I don't I don't think that's going to happen because to Sean's point, I think there are a lot of people that still want to go to movie theaters. And I think that there's a lot of money to be made in movies. But I also think that however many people there are that like going to the movies, I think that you can't escape the argument that Sean's making there. Right. Because I look at this list of films and realistically, there are probably two to four that I would think maybe five that I'd go to see in the movie theater. But realistically, uh, in a busy year or in a year where money's tight, I might only go see Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad because they pertain to the show. There are several years yeah. where the only movie I go see in the theaters is uh, the superhero movies that we are, you know, are coming to talk about while they're hot. And any other movie that I wanted to see, I catch later. And I get I get with VOD or I wait for it to come to a streaming service. And I think there's an argument to be made there that like maybe there is an untapped uh, way to make more money by getting more people subscribing to these services because they will watch, you know, um, Space Jam, A New Legacy at home, but maybe don't want to go through the effort and cost to go see that on the big screen. Whereas like you would do that for a blockbuster like, you know, a superhero movie or Dune or The Matrix or something like that because, you know, that bigger screen and audio and thing like that experience, the event of it is is more enticing and more people are talking about it. Phil, you haven't gotten like, a word in. Like Sean with comic books, I'm not terribly interested in... <laughs> You're a Marvel mark? <laughs> I guess I could be a fill in the blank. Um, John doesn't like reading digital comics, right? That's how I feel about watching a lot of movies at home. I simply am not disinterested. I'm simply disinterested in watching a, multiple types of movies in a home setting. Ba basically, like any major blockbuster, I really have 
no interest in watching at home. Marvel movies, DC movies, whatever. I haven't watched any of them in a home entertainment environment in years. That's an experience I reserve for going to the movies. That's something I like to do. Um, going to the movies is one of the simple pleasures of life, I think. I truly enjoy going to the movie theater and sitting down and watching a movie. There's movie chains that offer kind of what Marco described earlier. Like movie tavern will come with waiters and they'll they'll dine on they'll, they'll give you dining options and alcohol and stuff. I don't particularly enjoy that either though because it, it, I want to be completely immersed in the yep. cinematic experience. Totally you know? agree. Uh, and and that is why it's not as appealing to watch things at home because if it's a loud movie, you can only get so loud when you're watching at home. Like when you watch Avengers at home, it feels smaller somehow and it's just not it's not the same for 2020 and 2021 i understand compromises have to be made who knows when people will be able to really you know indulge in life's pleasures again without worrying about becoming infected uh you know a vaccine could be fully distributed by next summer but you know honestly who knows um so I understand the short term, the necessary compromises that need to be made. Um, it's a shame because one of the movies I've been most excited about is Dune, which is a movie that will, was supposed to come out this month uh, and it's been pushed back. And I was relieved that it was going to be pushed back because that's a really perfect example of a film I want to see in a cinematic environment. Uh, and we're already seeing the consequences that coronavirus has had on movie theater chains in the same way that we've seen it on our local comic book stores. My local movie theater in South Philadelphia is completely shut down. It's a giant theater. All the pals here have seen movies there, uh, like Wonder Woman. We all saw the first one. Ironically enough, with 1984 coming out in a couple weeks, we all saw that together at that movie theater. Um, and it's like a, a certain fabric of just socialization. Like going to the movies is an inherently social event. Uh, that's what I'm worried about. I understand, like, short-term sacrifices have to be made for the public, you know, benefit of, of society because this is a highly infectious disease. What I'm worried about, what Sean alluded to, is the long-term message that these companies are going to take away, which is that maybe people do subscribe more to HBO Max, but maybe the message they take away is that we don't have to have the third-party middleman, this AMC or what have you, Regal, uh, we can just put it in our streaming service. And that'll be really tragic because it'll feel like a very element of our social fabric is gone now. But Phil, corporate profits! <laughs> uh, I do want to give you guys the list of films. I I am sure that on this list there's at least a couple of films that you probably would have gone to see. And if you are interested in any of them, I'm just curious, how many of these would you have gone to see? And now with this announcement, if you have HBO Max or don't but would subscribe, how many of these will you watch? Uh, Count them up, boys. And I think that's an interesting question because if you're willing to watch more of these movies because you don't have to leave your house to go watch them, uh, that's worth consideration on the part of, um, well, studio, film studios. 
Right. Uh, so we've got yeah. Mortal Kombat and the little things in January, Tom and Jerry, and the Many Saints of Newark, which is a um, Sopranos prequel in March. Oh. Uh, the little things was a Lin Man Miranda production, by the way. Ah, there Just you go. For what it's worth, yeah. Mm. Uh, Reminiscence and uh, Reminiscence in April, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong in May. Uh, the Conjuring sequel number 37 in June. Uh, <laughs> and in the Heights in June, uh, Space Jam and New Legacy in July, Suicide Squad in August, Dune in October, uh, King Richard in November, The Matrix 4, which Ooh. is the, 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 oh my God, I can't wait for that movie. <laughs> oh my God. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, December 22nd, and then uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead in with no date, Malignant with no date. Judas and the Black Messiah, and Crime Macho. That is a massive slate of films, and it's easy to understand when you look at a list that long why Warner feels like they need to put these movies out. What would happen if in 2022 uh, we said, okay, guys, we're ready to go to theaters now, and they had this many movies sitting on the shelf plus the 2022 slate? You would have a massive problem on your hands because you have too many movies and not enough time to put them out. So it's easy to see why they feel the way they do. I wonder what their 2022 slate even could be because production for so many films has been delayed or just canceled for now. Like, granted, there's the Batman, but I I think that's it's like the only high profile film that they've been able to like kind of tough tough it out through. Yeah, so it's possible that this whole slate of films could have been pushed back while they start working on what would have been the 2022 films. It's hard to say. Uh, you know, there's too much uh, information that we wouldn't be privy to. Right. But um, even with that off the table, that's still a ton of movies to have, um, you know, in your back pocket. And, uh, you know, it's yeah. it's just it just sucks. It just sucks. And I hope that movie theaters and the movie going experience is not a casualty of this announcement. But we do have to move on. Um I'm sure it's not the last time we'll discuss this in some form or fashion. And again, of course, you can expect uh, reviews of at least two of those movies uh, here on our podcast. Dune and Tom and Jerry. Kale, <laughs> you down to bring back the kaiju cast? We doing this oh. Godzilla versus Kong? Oh, I have such oh. a bad feeling about that movie. Oh, yeah, I am. All right, <laughs> baby. <laughs> that movie has undergone so many reshoots like new mutants did and uh fantastic four did uh not optimistic well whatever fingers crossed speaking i'm all have fun speaking of future films uh we have a plastic man movie coming out and uh yeah hell yeah yeah. oh hell yeah we actually talked about this movie a couple of years ago years yeah when they first announced that it was coming and uh, they're bringing it up again, but uh, they've retooled some things. They've retooled some things. We're getting Plastic Man, but it's actually going to be a female-led movie. What? I'm out. Plastic Woman? Oh, my God. Wait. You <laughs> mean, well, she got silicon in the boobies? <laughs> you mean, you mean Elastigirl? Well, that's not plastic. <laughs> Elastigirl. Nice. <laughs> So, if you're confused, uh, Not me. THR 
says that uh, they don't know what it means that a Plastic <laughs> Man movie Great. will star a woman, uh, but they they we do we do know um, that Amanda Idoko, who wrote the Mayor, uh, wrote the last script that they have now dumped, and they've picked up a brand new script. For this movie, obviously, with you know a complete revolution in thought as to the character um, by Cat Vasco, uh, who wrote uh, *Lumberjanes* and *Queen of the Air*. Oh, huh. now I love superheroes. Of course, that's why we're here. I love male heroes and female heroes. Uh, I gotta say. I don't get this at all, and I think this is very silly because there are plenty of superheroes you could choose from that are women that should have a movie. Why would you? Why would you take Plastic Man, right, a character who has a fan base and an identity all his own, take that away, make him a woman, and leave Supergirl on the shelf? Batgirl on yeah. the shelf. I don't I don't under like I would much rather watch a Batgirl movie than a plastic man movie with not plastic man in it. <laughs> Sean, Sean, we, <clears throat> we should we should boycott this movie and boycott Thor. Well oh. no, I don't want to boycott Thor. <laughs> what do you mean? But but we're gonna have Marvel, a character. He's a Marvel who's Mark, dog. What do you think he means? But but we're gonna have a character who is a male and is gonna be picked up by a woman. What what is this? That's in the comics, it, guys. Well, oh, because it's in the comics. Oh, okay. it's, guys, I don't like comics. Skate Marco. <laughs> I don't either. I don't like this character. <laughs> well, at least he's not CV Marco. Well, let's get real. <laughs> right. I like um, CV Marco better. Uh, <laughs> I, I hear you, Marco. I don't know if you were being facetious or not. I was okay. Um, I just feel like those are super different. Not because it happened already in the books, but because the characters coexisted. Um, mm. And they will coexist in the movie, and I'm sure there will be a story reason why they're doing it. It's not just like, all right, palette swap, let's get rid of the guy, bring in the girl, you know, like, I, I don't really love that. The the other scenario that I could see is they take sort of a um, oh geez I don't know I actually can't think of another example of this but uh, like a Doctor Who scenario where it's more focused on his uh, like his companion versus him where the the companion the partner the the you know the sidekick or whatever. Uh, the drives the film mm-hmm. and it's sort of about them but plastic man is doing his plastic man things yeah kind of like um that, that was like kind of the vibe of shazam a little bit you know it was like the you know it was him and the brother dynamic and i would even maybe even but something like more i would, maybe and pete you i don't know if you did you see sonic I no sonic. i didn't maybe closer to sonic you get your James Marsden ordinary guy character who, in this case, in the case of Plastic Man, would be the woman who leads the film. And then you'll get Plastic Man who will have the the uh, the bigger character talent 
Jim Carrey, uh, who's uh, oh, the guy oh. from fucking uh, Parks and Rec, Ben Schwartz. Oh, ben, ben Schwartz, Schwartz, thank you. He's also Sonic. <laughs> uh, you know, get them the CGI personality behind the whatever, but she drives the film in that way. God, Jim Carrey as Plastic Man is like the best imaginable casting. His face is already like plastic. <laughs> he's, he's probably just a little old at That's this point. Yeah. Fine. That's fine. No, he's I not even more, the main guy. He's going to be mean, the second guy. I mean more on him. Like, I don't know that he wants to, like, probably go through the, you know, the the effort you have to go through to be a superhero. I think he does. I, I, think, I, I, think, yeah? I think when you watch him in Sonic and the... The the, the 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 physicality of the character, um, especially. Oh, are you talking about Ben? Sh- oh, oh, no, no sorry, he's I forgot, Dragon, he's dude. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Sean. Um, especially because Plastic Man would have to be to a significant degree CG anyway. That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Kale, your scenario is actually you know something I didn't consider, and if that's what they're doing, where. You know, maybe it's a reporter, maybe it's his love interest, whatever it is, and that's like the main character. But Plastic Man is on the marquee, and he's the the hero of the film. That's cool. I just don't, I don't see why you would make a Plastic Man movie that's not Plastic Man, but then you wouldn't make Batgirl. I want that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I think this a, it sounds like you just want a Batgirl movie more than a Plastic Man. No, it's, it's, it, I would be happy with a Plastic Man movie if the main character is Plastic Man, because that's the I, character. I think it's especially just a weird choice because, like, it would it would make more sense to me if it was like um, a character with more name recognition. Sure, you know, like I don't th- I don't think of Plastic Man as like a. You know, um, like a like a marquee superhero. Like, who the fuck knows who Plastic Man is that isn't a fucking dork like us? You know, like, and I feel like it's weird to it's weird to bother making a Plastic Man movie if you're gonna like be like, oh, well, we're gonna like shake things up and make it like Plastic Woman instead. And it's like, okay, but like, why though? Like, why even bother? You know, like I I'm I'm with Sean where if like if if the if the the goal is you know hey we want to make uh, a mar another marquee superhero movie with a female character like DC's got a great stable you know and like there's and, and like Supergirl Batgirl whatever but like there's also like you could go for if you're gonna go for somebody obscure like Plastic Man like Zatanna is fucking cool Ooh. you know like make a Zatanna movie like that would be sick you know um I don't know like Huntress. Like is a is a is granted random. bat family, but like yeah, like you, there are so many other characters that are like in that stable are are like give me in three that. more. Hmm. Really time to test Pete's DC knowledge. I know, fun. dude. Like I'm not. <laughs> Who else is like a deep a deep one? No one. I've him. done it. No one. I've him. done it already. No one. I know. Him. Yeah, no one you, you already said ones that I I could give. Stop squirming. Let's hear it. Huntress was also in Suicide Squad, so that probably shouldn't even count. <laughs> Stop squirming. Stop wasting time. Squad. Let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> cheetah origin movie. Mm, uh, cheetah. Huh, that's for yeah, the for the okay. Sean market. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, that uh, uh, that known uh, hero uh, cheetah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, star Star Girl. Uh, she was in. Uh, okay. Doomsday okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. We could do that. That'd be good. Okay. Let's um, hear it. 
That's uh, one. Uh, 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 <laughs> come on, Pete. Uh, Starfire's in Teen Titans. That Everyone work. listening and watching this episode are just screaming into the just Discord. <laughs> I, think, I, would, I would accept Starfire. That's, that's a decent Starfire, answer. Starfire, Raven, I know that. Green. Oh, Green Green Lantern? Good God. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes, there I mean, to be fair, no, like, that is a great example of if you wanted to make uh, a female-led DC movie, it's like... Green Lantern. Dude, if they that made if they made a Green Lantern movie based on Jessica Cruz or oh. um the one from Far Sector, the 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 current yeah, I yeah. would I would lose my shit. Those characters are awesome, and yeah, I understand there'd be a lot of people upset that the first Green Lantern on screen since the crazy Ryan Reynolds crap is not Hal or or John. Okay, I get it, but I'd be way more excited for that than this. Yeah. Yeah. I and I think I think the thing the thing I come back to is 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 sort of my scenario because Power it doesn't you know, uh, Okay. There you go. Uh, right. Shut up. You said so. <laughs> <laughs> it also doesn't make sense that they would lead the headline with oh a woman's going to lead the plastic man movie. Well, that could mean anything. Like Fair. sure. It just you know, uh, I don't know. It just there's not enough here to go off so i don't yeah i think i i i think i personally um read i took that on its face Mm. um maybe more than was intended like but maybe that's maybe you're right maybe that's not what this means but that's what happened but also i also think that's intentional is that's why they wrote that fucking article is with that specific headline is so they could get nerds like us doing a 20 minute podcast about it yep. outraging on the fucking internet yeah. Fair play. but my plastic man <laughs> mind you i don't even give a shit about plastic man so let's no. it's, it's funny on. uh the in the article that you have like the the comicbook.com there's there's a, a tweet that they pulled where someone's like people are already starting to pretend that they were fans of fucking plastic man LMAO. <laughs> like who gives a shit no. <laughs> it's fucking plastic no, man you don't understand plastic man has a yes. pretty big following yes. he's yes. very very popular I know. in the 90s and 2000s I, I can't eat more than three DC girls. I know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just throwing gas on the fire. Relax. Uh, relax. Listen, I... you bandwagon fans. I was there when the 1940s comics were being published. So, <laughs> oh, you uh, bandwagon fans want to come around and make a real Plastic Man movie? You can come talk to You're me. Old, can, you, can you like not drop your old man wretched dick on the table like that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you almost made him choke on his dentures. Look at him. <laughs> wow. Uh, Alright. So, let's move on from Kale's past and talk about Kale's future. Only fans. Uh, <laughs> Kale's future state? Exactly. Uh, which is Dead. death. God, hopefully. Uh, god, hopefully. <laughs> I yearn for it. Uh, so at CCXP Con, which is a Brazilian Comic Con, um, DC—it's actually happening this weekend. DC is revealing uh, some new info regarding Future State, which is, of course, the next you know like event, I guess, starting in January, where they're gonna give us a peek into the destiny of DC's heroes. 
and show us what we can expect for the future. Now, there's been a lot of questions as to how this would affect the future state, haha, of DC Comics. <laughs> and now we know that at least some of these events or some of these series will continue on past the future state. Um, and it's an interesting list. So, Justice League Dark, Suicide Squad, Swamp Thing. Woo! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Wait, were you waiting that long for that? Yeah, he was yeah. wild the fuck. Oh, up. God. <laughs> that was... Boy. <laughs> oh, wow. Green Lantern and uh, New Teen Titans Academy. Those are the series uh, that we know so far that will be continuing beyond... The future state event um, with some interesting creative teams. So Green Lantern will be by Jeffrey Thorne and Tom Rainey on art, um, who are the team that are doing the the Green Lantern future state miniseries. Uh, okay. Justice League Dark will also continue in March with Rom V and Zermanico on art. Uh, they also, I believe, were working on uh, Justice League Dark before, so they'll continue that. Uh, Rom V's on Swamp Thing, as I yep, recall. He's also on Swamp Thing with Mike Perkins on art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad will be Robbie Thompson and Eduardo Pansica. That's interesting. I believe Rob Thompson has also worked on Suicide Squad before. Um, no Harley Quinn. Oh, no. No Harley Quinn. Oh, did they kill her? Uh, who knows? But Peacemaker will be involved. He's got some shine. It's interesting. Yeah. Peacemaker, you want to talk about like obscure characters, not Plastic Man, Pete, but... Yeah, They're putting peace- him on the... Uh- on the front lines here, right? Yeah, yeah, is that, yeah. Is that... Um, Phil, you want to talk the- about obscure? I can't even see the guy. You got to it <laughs> That's first. That's pretty good. I don't want to interrupt Phil, but yeah. <laughs> all right, you two. All right. Uh, hang on. I got it. I know who this is. Your time is here. Your time I is love now. That. Come on. Kale, Kale was going to ask if this is who it was, and now he's too afraid to. It's Is it The Rock's cousin? <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's John Cena! Yep. Oh, way off. Uh, it was way off. And then uh, Teen Titans is Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval. Now, can anyone in the class tell me something that they noticed about this these creative teams that sticks out? It, and I'll give you a hint. It relates to something that I have brought up on this show recently. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead, Pete. I don't remember anything that we ever say on this You podcast, call on me? So. Yeah. Nope. What the fuck? I raised my hand uh, first. It's, it's that. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> You're the teacher's pet, okay? <laughs> Sean knows you know the yeah. answer. <laughs> He's like, oh, one of the troublemakers raised their hand? Oh, boy. Uh, uh, please. Well, all right. Look at listen. Can you answer? The you're question? the one interrupting. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh, they're they're all small names. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, as well, evidenced I'm by the sure fact that, that every time that you read one of their names, Kale was just like. <laughs> yeah. The only one I knew was Rom V and Mike Perkins, right? And and that's only by eh. because of like other stuff that that 
the the other Swamp Thing stuff and like outside of the DC stuff we've read. Right. Yeah. I mean, small names is right. Ron V is only four letters. <laughs> well, and you got you got to imagine they can increase the kerning on the on the font to make sure. it bigger too. Sure. <laughs> Granted, these aren't Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman, but I think that there's something to what we've been talking about where DC is actively not paying the, the, the higher rates that they were for their writers and artists that they were known for. And so they are trying to cultivate new talent, which is, of course, not inherently a bad thing to cultivate new talent. No, not at all. But when your slate is lacking the heavy hitters, that's an issue. We, it remains to be seen. But I'm very curious to see if we see the names Tom King, Scott Snyder, or um, Jeff, Jeff Johns, Johns or Jeff Glenn Jones. Morrison on any one of their announcements. And if we don't, think about what I said. Now, yeah. I want you to think about what I'm, out, what I'm about to say, okay? These are all small names. They're all not paying them a ton of money, probably. Why not come to us? Oh. The five of us can give you guys cheap titles. Okay, DC? All right? You want a Plastic Man title? Pete's the expert. He's got it. I got it, man. I know everything <laughs> about Plastic Man. I know he's never been a woman before. So. That's right. You, you want that Batgirl title? <laughs> oh, my God. Already, already wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I'm, well, then, hey, wait, rewind to that. Re, let's rewind to that segment so that I can throw out that Plastic Man knowledge. It's like, you fake-ass Plastic Man fans don't even know. Already, there's Fuck been a Plastic Didn't we have man a, bit? a woman? Uh, before where like Kale's right didn't we have that that's right alright let's start a new I, it happens so infrequently that I don't remember nope. but you want to talk about a frequent bit go ahead Sean Pete's wrong that's right <laughs> <laughs> hey man uh, I'll bail you out Pete by sidestepping away from you know embarrassing you some more here you guys Great. want a Batgirl title Sean's got it um, Sean's got it I got something in the chamber for Batgirl Say, there you the go. Wor- yeah, the worst part is that's a reasonable suggestion. I thought you were going to say something a lot worse. What did you think he was going to say? Just out of yeah. Well, I thought he was going to say some shit like, oh, Kale could do a swamp thing. No. Oh, no, no, I'm being legit. You want JLI? Kale right. has it. Legion of Superheroes, he's got that too. Uh, you want to go swamp thing? My man Marco has got it ready. He told, legit, he told <laughs> us his pitch in our private chat, and it's actually pretty good of course it's no, good you, <laughs> he's been thinking about it for half his goddamn life that's right. i'm pretty sure he was i'm pretty sure it was fake is the thing is that i'm pretty sure he no, just no, threw no. that it's out. not a k it's a t it's it, it, it better have been fake <laughs> speaking it of better that, have been fake because i'm gonna steal that shit speaking of fate dr fate phil oh. you got that oh sure i got that i was gonna say Superboy, but i'll do dr fate i, would, I got a story i'll tell you this right now no BS. I would pay actual money. I'd pay retail comics rates to read Phil Superman. Oh, I've got so many story ideas for Superman. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say it on this show because someone's got to ape it. Someone that's like a future real comic book writer. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you want them to write the story though? Because you're, if you're not going to do it. Oh, okay. Well, listen, if you're like a big time comic list, uh, writer and you're listening to the show, hit me up. I'll help you out. It's fine. I'll be the ghostwriter. I don't give a shit. I'll tell you how to write Superman. Yeah, I'll be Nicolas Cage and ghostwriter and eat jelly beans and give you ideas. <laughs> uh, we also know that Tom Taylor will have a title somewhere in the okay, mix. He's, he's been around for a bit. Of the future state, so that's cool. 
Uh, Tom is a mid-level creator who's working his way up, uh, so that's nice. Yeah. I did want to call out, uh, just real quick, that the art from Swamp Thing Future State is pretty nice. Yeah, Perkins yeah. does a really good job. He's actually uh, in one of the Facebook Swamp Thing Facebook groups that I'm in, and he's been like sharing like art and like details and stuff. It's been really cool. Mm. Oh, sick! Nice. You got any exclusives? Uh, I have to look back. No, not, not 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 off the hand. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Um, still not caring about the future state of DC Comics. Got to tell you. Um, it's crazy because it's something I could get into. Uh, if done well, I'm, you know, I'm super, super apprehensive, though. I'm reading Marv Wolfman's uh, Judas Contract, mm. the the old new Teen Titans Literally stuff the from most the famous, 80s. like, DC yeah. Titans book. And no one has been able to carry the Teen Titans, like, fucking Marv Wolfman or even Jeff Johns, who <sighs> faded pretty hard after his big story. It, yeah. Uh, and it sucks that no one can figure out the Teen Titans. Well, I mean, there was Peter David's Young Justice. It's not Teen Titans, but it's a similar like youth superhero team. Like, and that was very popular. So, bitch, you think I don't know about Young Justice? Uh, yeah. Can you take that gross dick off the table? We're not measuring up right now. <laughs> I can't. It's too heavy for my feeble bones. <laughs> I'm just all the way uncomfortable. Um, Only pals, hit us up. No, don't. Only pals slash the comics pals. So, last last bit of news here. It's a big bit. Um, not comparable to Phil's bit, but hey. Uh, <laughs> I go big and go home. Please go home. Uh, Spider Man Three. I'm so excited. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Yes. Which one? This is the Sean segment, baby. Yes. He's been on this for like two years. Two. I, like when this. Two. Three years. <laughs> when this shit broke uh, this week, I was like, oh, uh, I'm going to be completely enthralled with what Sean has Dude, to say. We got to get this. Okay. So. Everybody shut up so he can say it. <laughs> you guys know, obviously. How I've been talking for literally years about yeah. what is happening at Sony and, and, and Marvel regarding uh, Tom Holland and Spider-Man. And how there's going to be a crossover between all three, Tom, Toby, and Andrew, in which they all appear in the same movie. I've been saying this for the longest. And this week, Sony, I don't know if it was an accident, I don't know what it was. They put out in their Latin American uh, YouTube <laughs> page a video. <laughs> and in this video, it said uh, they it, it said uh, they teased the idea of a crossover between the three heroes. It, it, in the video, they say, who is your favorite Spider-Man? You don't have to choose. In the Marvel multiverse, anything can happen. It says in Spider-Man 3... You will quite possibly see everyone. Yes, the three Peter Parkers saving the world together. It, it, it And then the video shows you shots of the three Spider-Men, you know, doing various things. And it ends with a message that says, find out more very soon. That video 
has since been deleted. They got rid of it. Yeah, I bet. They also, yeah, I bet. They also deleted a video uh, called Doctor Strange, Spider-Man's New Mentor. They, 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 um, they made it private. Huh. Now, this coincides with what we have learned that there's the possibility we will see a Spider-Man 3 trailer or sneak peek of some kind in days before the end of this year. And the news that we heard before about A, Doctor Strange being in the movie and B, Electro being in the movie portrayed by Jamie Foxx, the same guy who played him in Amazing Spider-Man 2. And this very week, Zendaya was on Jimmy Kimmel and he asked her if there were going to be multiple Spider-Men in Spider-Man 3 and she said she could neither confirm nor deny that question. What the hell is happening here, guys? It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Sounds like, like it's happening. We're going to the Spider Verse, man. Spider Man. Remember, remember, remember that crossover from the comics that they did. Yeah, that's that was how they they kind of like bridged the gap between Ultimate and you know like regular six one six. They're doing yep. it in the movies, but they're doing it the opposite. They're sending Peter away and giving us Miles. I promise. I promise yes. you, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yep. Let's go. Remember the 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 small detail from uh uh homecoming in which we see uh childish Gambino whatever his real name is uh Donald Glover yeah, <laughs> he plays the prowler and he says oh yeah yeah, yeah. my nephew my nephew something I know about exactly. that yeah. Miles baby Miles, Miles exists of course. He exists. <laughs> this is Sean's ancient aliens pitch. It's it's so interesting because like I, I think it's clear that like we're gonna get Miles in the MCU at some point, right? Like they drop that thread. There we go. Um, this could very well be it. But my question is, it at the end of Venom when we saw uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait, whoa, 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 when did that happen in Venom? Right? No. Isn't that in the post-credit scene of Venom? No, the post-credit scene of Venom is is Cletus Cassidy. Oh right, what am I thinking? You're, of? What you're thinking of is the Morbius trailer. Yes, thank you. The Morbius trailer is where we saw Michael Michael Keaton as the Vulture. Thank you. Um, is is that because uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture in that is in that universe? Like it's a different Michael Keaton's Vulture than the one that we've met, or is it? Um, that we're in a situation where like they're blending the universes together, like you know what I mean? Because it could be that, to your point, right? That um, Tom Holland is going to leave the MCU proper and go to this other, you know, to the Sony universe or whatever, and start being in those movies. Um, and we see Miles become the MCU Spider-Man, or it could be like they're trying to blur the lines between them, and like you know. I don't know, contextualize some of that stuff within the MCU as like part of the the deal and like that they have with Sony. All right. It's a tightrope that 
both companies are walking. And the relationship between them now appears to be, in my opinion anyways, less tenuous than it was before, but more more based on a particular vision. Whereas before it was just like, hey, like we need Spider-Man. You guys need us to make your movies not suck. Let's work it out. And I think that there was a lot of like, eh, I don't want to really, I don't want to have a relationship with you, but I have to. Feelings. Now <laughs> I think they know what they're going to do. I think they know what they want, and they know how both can win creatively, whereas they weren't both winning creatively before. For that reason, I say. I don't believe that this deal is long-term. I don't believe that Marvel actually wants to have to be saddled to whatever Sony chooses to do because they. I don't think Kevin Feige has a ton of respect for what Sony does with Spider-Man or the characters. I don't. I believe that they need a way to keep Spider-Man in their world forever and not have to relate with Sony every single time that they want to use the character, and every time that the deal expires, they have to go back to the drawing board. I don't think they want to do that anymore. And I also don't think Sony wants to have to not get that 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 money that comes from having Spider-Man in your movies. So I think that they found a solution that works for them both. And I think that the answer lies in what is happening with the multiverse in Marvel. I think they're using this as an opportunity to blur the lines. I think that uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture ends up in Morbius for a reason that is not normal. Not like it's not like, oh, uh, you know, I'm just here now. You know, like I think <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, I think that there's a weird reason why he's there and that that relates to what's going on. Because remember, you have to remember the newspaper that you see in the Morbius trailer that shows you Spider-Man as a fugitive. And there's the spray paint. And the spray paint. Right? Yeah, yeah, there's a graffiti that's like calls him a murderer or something. Yeah, yes. So obviously that's connected to Mysterio. Yes. At least that's the theory. Right, sure. I'm off my soapbox. I gotta tell you, the idea of having like three different Spider-Man in one movie from two different film studios, is there honestly anything like it? I can't imagine. There isn't. It, 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 like, it feels... Um, surreal to me in the same way that uh that avengers felt surreal but at least that's one studio yeah yeah for sure but like i don't know i i feel like sometimes we're we're like numb to how crazy that was when it happened because it was you know it's so it's been built on so much since then and it's been such a present fixture that like you kind of take it for granted but like the idea of Four superhero movies coming together to be sequelized in a team-up movie. That had never happened before. And, like, that was, like, fucking insane and mind-blowing. And it was, like, you know, as a longtime comic reader, it was very much like a, I can't believe this is happening. This is the kind of shit that they used to write about, like, in Wizard Magazine in the 90s where it's, like, imagine if they made an Avengers movie, you know? Like, this is who we would cast. And then it happened. And this feels like the kind of thing that a few years ago... We might have been like, imagine if they did this, like if they had like a crossover movie and they established that the Sony universe from back in, you know, 2000 is canon in this weird backwards way. Like that sounds like fan theory bullshit, but it seems like it's actually going to happen. And I think that that like that has the potential to be really, really, I don't know, like 
at least exciting, like at least hype. You know, whether or not it's good is, you know, up for debate, but... The only thing more zany than that, to me, would be is if, if Time Warner and Disney were like, yeah, you know what, we should do a Superman versus uh, Iron Man movie or something. <laughs> Amalgam! Amalgam movie! Whoever, whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, gotta, I gotta say, um, all theory aside, like, just the premise alone, I was thinking about this earlier in the week. And I, I don't even know if I'm like I don't know if I was even more excited for Avengers than I am for this. Part of it is because I've been thinking about it for so many years, but also like I I gotta say like I I genuinely miss Tobey Maguire's Spider Man. I really do. I think it was the best of the three. Personally, I I I don't know if I agree with that, but I miss the. I miss those movies. I miss, someone asked me this week, like what what qualities do you think that each one of them brought to the table that they were best at? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it, it was a really good question. I was happy to answer it. And with, with Toby, I feel like he he was able to bring that like. I don't know that college age like I'm kind of like lost in the world. He he really epitomized the down on his luck. Yes, he epitomized in a way that nobody else. He did. it felt like he was bringing that specific aspect of 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 of, of, of Peter's life to life. Yep. And also yep. he seemed to be more than the other two having so, not Toby but his Peter seemed to be having so mm-hmm. much fun being spider-man when he would swing around and he was you know so happy like whoa like so excited and then when he would fight villains and the quips and stuff like just think like we're so far removed from from when that movie first came out but like i remember being in the theater watching spider-man one two and three and how like incredibly exciting that was and that has a lot to do with toby mcguire i i truly believe that of course, mm-hmm. it was brand new and fresh, but it was also what he did. I don't think yeah. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man would have been the best introduction for the character on the screen. Nor, frankly, do I think Tom Holland's would have. It had to be Toby. Toby exemplified not only like the most down-on-his-luck quality of Spider-Man and Peter Parker, but he had like that everyman feeling yep. to him. Yes. Like, he yeah. was so relatable. Andrew Garfield, he skateboarded and shit. He was like kind of cool. Like yeah. Toby's Peter Edgy. was lame, yeah. which is good. Like right. Spider-Man has to be kind of lame, and and you know, um, and then the most recent Spider-Man, Tom Holland, he he's kind of like a savant in a lot of ways. He's got like that Tony Stark quality to him, and I know they've done that more and more yeah. in, in Spider-Man yeah. comics the last fifteen years or so. But like he he his relatability is less so because he goes to like a, a pretty good school and he like has he's gifted. Yeah, you know? he's well, I think I, I think that's something that Disney has capitalized on, that I think the other two didn't do as well. That comes off as like a real um, brainiac. Yeah, because totally. uh, like even in the comics, like uh, you know, even in high school, like Peter builds his own web shooters, mm-hmm. he sews his own costume, he does all that stuff by himself. It's only recently that he's gotten like parker industries and he was iron man's sidekick for civil war and you know and that's where all this other stuff comes from with tom holland i think it's also a context issue though 
because like I think that there's also the problem that in like in 1999 going into 2000 when this movie came out like nerd shit wasn't mainstream and cool yet and I I think that the narrative of Peter Parker being beat up because he's a nerd doesn't make sense in 2020 and like I think that's part of why Tom Holland's character isn't presented that way is that like I don't I don't think that like being smart or being like into video games or any of those things that you know like are exemplary of his character and like nerd culture now like would lead to you getting like pushed around by a Flash Thompson or like not being you know not able to get a girlfriend or whatever like the the rules have changed a little bit and I think that like what what works with Toby and and those Raimi films is like they really tap into you know, like the the OG like feel of Amazing Spider Man, and like I think that the difference that that the word that I would use to describe what is unique about his Peter is that it's like there's vulnerability. You know, like he he is, and I think that's a huge part of what makes Spider Man a appealing character is that he's he's vulnerable. You know, is that like and and in every way, right? Like he generally like doesn't have a lot of job like when you think of the classic spider-man scenario right he doesn't have a ton of job security right like his relationships are always a little bit fragile because of his life as spider-man so like his support system is weak because he can't be honest with the people that he's closest to and he has this secret that he has to carry alone and then as a as a uh a hero like his yeah he's super strong and he's got his spider sense but like he could die Anytime he goes out as Spider-Man just from getting shot, you know, like he doesn't have um, these some of the resources and tools that other superheroes have. And that was best conveyed in in those movies, especially because from the the first movie on. Right. He's not living at home like he's off on his own and he's living in a dingy, shitty, you know, I'm 20 or I'm 19 out on my own for the first time apartment kind of set up and like. You know, it's it's way more that that classic Silver Age to the ground. Like he's a fucking loser, kind of. Um, but Spider Man is where he's free, and that's like why he has. To Sean's point, like you feel like he's having so much fun when he's Spider Man because that's the only part of his life where he's in control. I and I, I love what you said, and I think you're you're totally on point, Pete. I don't want to um, gloss over Kale's point though, because I think you are totally right in that. Toby's Spider-Man had organic webs, and that took away from the audience immediately grasping how smart he was. Andrew yep. Garfield's Spider-Man made his own webs, but he was too cool for school. Yep. Um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is actually smart, and they don't—they're not shy about showing you that. And it's not bad. It's not a problem that he's smart. It's—it's it's something that is actually his way into the world how smart he is. He could have powers and that's fine, but having powers wouldn't have necessarily been enough to create the relationship that he ends up having with Tony. That's his way into the Avengers. And, and, and for a young person, anyone young who's ever been young, which is every human understands what it's like to feel alone. But here's this kid who not only doesn't have to be alone anymore, but also gets to live and be amongst the people that he looks up to the most. And it's because of how smart he is, in part, that he gets to do that. Um, but my last thing I want to say here is I don't want to gloss over Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man either because I actually like that one too. 
the one of my favorite all-time moments in Spider-Man anything is when he speaks to the child on the bridge after the the explosion and the kid is scared and he gives him his mask. Me thinking about that right now, I feel like watering up because of how special and unique that was to show like, hey, I'm a loser too. I'm scared all the time. When I put this mask on, I don't have to feel like that anymore. So here, I'm giving this to you. That's the gift of Spider-Man. The gift of Spider-Man is any human can be me because being me is just being human. And it encompasses everything that that is. And I just think that that was such a brilliant moment. And Andrew Garfield did a great job of bringing that to life. You're making me think of the funeral scene in in Spider-Verse and that that shit, like getting that like distilling that fact about Spider-Man down that way, like it literally gets me every single time. Every single time. <laughs> Most importantly was Spider-Man 2 when we really learn that Spider-Man is the pulse of New York City. Right, Pete? <laughs> yes, of course. What 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 would what, that sound like, Pete? I'm sorry though, that's not you're you're wrong. That's not Spider-Man 2. It's Spider-Man 1. Yes. Oh my being god. Go- Cool. Can you give me? Can you give me an example of that? I'm just like? saying. I mean, you're gonna mess with a guy trying to save a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> you mess with one of us. You mess with all, all of us. us. <laughs> <laughs> Some dude the Yankees at. You guys remember 9/11? <laughs> yep. Because yeah. Spider Man does. <laughs> this is when we still like Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to make Super this, time. you know, the Spider-Man podcast, but... Um, no, I'm glad. Let's do it. Yeah, anything to save you from the embarrassment of not back, knowing DC this characters. Back, this is back in my depth, yeah. <laughs> uh, and listen, y- that depth ain't that, that deep. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Maybe when I'm your age, I'll know more, Kale. Sorry. Going from a puddle to a fucking sink. <laughs> Yeah, you chose right, Kale. Measure up with Pete with that old wretched dick, not me. Well, let's let's find out what we all know about. Is that a challenge, motherfucker? <laughs> let's do it. Let's do another. Um, let's do another. No. Um, uh, Jeopardy. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Short of that, let's see what we all know about the King in Black as we review issue one of that very title. So Phil actually had to leave. Uh, something flout, I don't know. Um, His mother is playing the flout. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but uh, the rest of us are still here, and we're going to start by reviewing, as I said, King in Black. Number one, this is Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. This is a... An event that um, has really been hyped. It's like a pseudo sequel to Absolute Carnage. Um, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Let's 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 jump right into it. What what did you guys think of of this issue? And also, as you answer that, how lost did you feel? Considering I think I'm the only person uh, who read Absolute Carnage, and even then, this does have a lot of context that's missing from the venom main series i so i also read the um the silver surfer black which null is in right so that was the only additional Mm. context that i had so i didn't feel super lost 
um, about who the character was and like why he might be invading. Um, I just wasn't sure where like all of the individual characters and like those set pieces were necessarily. Um, but it didn't it didn't hamper my ability to just kind of jump in and go through the motions yeah. of it, which I thought was really well done on on, on Kate's part. Um, cause to, sometimes, you know, you, you, you're missing so much context, you don't know what's going on, but this was simple enough to be like, okay, um, Eddie Brock has, well, the, the, my big first surprise was like, oh, okay. Eddie Brock has a son and uh, a beard. And yeah. He's, sure. he's a beard like, now. and a beard and Null is invading. And like, that's all you need to know. And, and that got across immediately clearly. And I think, uh, his interactions with all the other characters helped to build up some of the drama, which it was good. I, I thought it was a, a pretty good issue and good introduction, especially for an event that I was afraid that, and uh, no, part of the Spider-Man universe that I have no context for. Yeah, same. I uh, I don't particularly care for Venom. Uh, so this, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I didn't find it particularly hard to get into. Um, you know, I, I have... I don't know. I guess I I have a cursory knowledge, but I guess that's just because I pay attention to the stuff around. You know, I I've listened to the old uh, long box reviews when Null was first introduced, and and we've sort of sort of talked about it before. Um, but uh, yeah, Null's invading. Venom's got a kid, and I guess he hangs out with the Avengers now. All right, whatever. I get it. It's a comic book. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's like both both of those opinions are basically exactly how I felt of I know the players enough, you know, and like sure I I I'm not up on what's been going on with Venom the last several years, but it was easy enough to jump in and like accept the status quo of okay, he has a son now and you know, these are the stakes, right? Null's invading and I don't really need to know who Null is or what's happened before or whatever like, to understand right. the stakes because the stakes are that null controls all the symbiotes and there's a symbiote army and it's taken over okay yep great that's the thing that the avengers would deal and, with and, and even it makes sense the that symbiote is involved. plot is something that's been sort of rehashed a couple of times uh in the past i don't know decade yeah, at least it's like um yeah it's it's not yeah, hard to pretty understand, standard avengers you know? thing really Oh, I'm a character who doesn't deal with the Avengers, but I've got a big crisis. I better call the Avengers. Yeah, and like, and I, I don't, I don't even mean that. Like, yeah, not necessarily, but it's kind it's of kind of, of like, cut and dry. I mean, it's you know, it's what the Avengers are there for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like as a as a seasoned reader who's familiar with with the cast, it was very easy. I thought to just slot right in and like. This felt like one of those comics that um, speaks to the whole, like, every comic should be able to be your first comic. Like, I could pick this up and, and just be like, all right, cool, I got yeah. it. Yes. That's what they're doing. Very much so. Let's go from here. <laughs> I think that that's something that Donny Cates really uh, excelled at with this event, um, is just creating a playing field that anyone can jump in on. You don't have to have a ton of knowledge, as you guys said. Um, I was just curious to know how you guys felt because I know that that sometimes uh, is a question mark when it comes to these things. Uh, 
let's let's talk about you know the the meat of the story here. This really this issue really is centered around just um, setting up the stakes of the series um, with the arrival of <clears throat> the Marvel Parademons, um, basically, yeah. which is just these like. Fucking yeah, it's venomous parademons. Fucking yeah, yeah. That can like fly through the vacuum of space, apparently. (laughs) Um, and 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 the arrival of um of Null here, uh, and they make him out to be an extreme threat. You know, he's an Avengers level threat. He's a a threat so large that the mutants actually feel like they need to uh, step in and and help out, which was cool. Donny Cates does a great job of establishing really from from the early goings why this is such a big deal. Fucking ripped century in half. Yeah, okay. So like- you, jump, <laughs> you jump to that and that is something that I was going to call out as one of the things that I didn't like. Sure. So okay. Cool. Null is a big bad. Got it. Got it. Why would you sacrifice a character like the Sentry to him so quickly? Like when I saw the Sentry, I I made I I like I I almost jumped out of my seat. I love the Sentry, and then literally within two pages, he's dead. Then the Void comes out. The Void is supposed to be an even bigger more powerful threat than the sentry and null like assimilates the void or or kills it or whatever within within one uh, splash page or or you know okay, one level page happened? <laughs> that was really i was very confused by yeah, that it was yeah. it, i don't actually think that that was showcased very well at all but that was very mm. very disappointing i don't like it when in order to establish the threat of a, of a villain, they instantly sacrifice another uh, hero. I think that's cheap. Yeah. So for for that, that kind of the void part at least gets explained in, in uh, Silver Surfer Black, where he he cut, he's like something born of it um, and can control it. So like for mm-hmm. me, that made a little more sense in in, in context. But agreed okay. on the point where like it's not necessary to be able to prove to you how bad this guy is by offing uh, a hero especially because the sentry is more powerful than anyone else that we saw so if he was able to do that to the sentry what why do i believe that venom who ultimately will probably be the one to deal with this guy uh can beat no you know like yeah and what's worse is we know he's gonna like that's the nature of it right but when you raise the stakes so high immediately it's like okay well exactly yeah it lessens the impact it had the opposite effect on me so what what other question did storm die she died right uh i believe so not that it really matters she's a mutant so whoa I, i guess i i guess i missed that because uh, I mean, like the last, the la- the last page she's on, right? Like Tony's saying, "We're we're working on it. Just stay in the air until." And she goes, "Until what, oh. Iron Man? This is starting to feel hopeless." And then he goes, "Storm." Yeah. And then Professor X is all like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." I guess she did. Shocked die. anime cutaway. So I think she died too. Rip. Yeah, it's okay. She'll come back. 
It's fine. Which, yeah. you know, again, is like, okay, cool. We know the mutants can come back. Two character I- deaths in the same issue. Not every single person who's reading this knows where the mutants are at. So sure. that moment could be, for those people, like really, really crazy. And it would behoove, I think, Donnie, to space moments like that out or, you know, not do like just because the mutants can die whenever and come back does not mean that they should die whenever. I but I think to the point you made about Sentry, I think if you do this with Storm, <clears throat> you have your cake and eat it, too, because throughout this issue, right, like Storm Effective. is shown to be basically one of the only Effective. Go ahead. What was you going to say, Gail? Yeah. Yeah, right. Like she's been shown to be one of the only heroes that can like mm. deal with the horde right now. So her being overwhelmed and killed, even if you don't know the context that she, you know, whatever, right? Like that would be a dramatic enough thing for me as a reader to be like, "Oh, this is serious. The X-Men are coming and working with the Avengers even though they're at odds right now and Storm is dead." Like this guy <laughs> means business. Like I don't think you need to, to do the entry thing. Venom's on it. <laughs> yeah venom. but like i get it venom. <laughs> every chance i can um yeah i mean those are basically the major beats of the book like he's it turns out he's actually coming for eddie brock's son and he you know plays that game of like i will say brock and not specify which Brock I'm after so that you have to yeah. ask me or I can reveal it in a dramatic moment later. Um, when you're dangling off a cliff. Yeah. Which, you know, your mileage may very theatrical on tropes like that. Yo, but- I was like, what? <laughs> it wasn't Eddie? <laughs> and then, like, he, like, rips the symbiote off him, drops him to his death. It's very, It's all very classic, you know? Like, right. Exactly. And 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 Donnie has the hot hand right now. He probably has the hottest hand of anybody in comics. And I think I think this book shows you why. If you are a fan of like just straight crazy action, like really fun, bombastic action, um Donnie Cates is probably your guy. Especially because he has the luxury of being paired with an an absolute beast like Ryan Stegman. Uh, Ryan Stegman is one of the best artists, I think, working right now. Some of these pages are extremely good. Um, and so because of that, Donnie's is super popular right now. But what you notice, at least with King and Black, is that he relies a lot, in my opinion, on some well-worn strategies. And if yeah. you are a comic veteran, you know, this may or may not appeal to you. You may think, wow, I feel like I've read this before. Or you may think, I know I've read something like this before. This is exactly what I'm here for. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, to me, I think I fall more on that side of just, like, something like this just really isn't for me. Like, this isn't what I show up for. Um, But I think with that said, I can recognize, like, the objective um, quality of what's being put forth. You know, like, it's... I've I've been really critical of a lot of event comics on this show and and event comics in general and I think like this hits the beats of what you need to do you know in terms of like making it something that you can pick up and understand having a uh, a tight script that like makes good use of its pages and its space and that has solid art 
Right. You know, and like if that's the kind of like big two popcorn comic that like you like to show up for, I think you'll get something out of this. You know, it's like maybe not exactly my flavor, but um, there was no point where I was reading this, which isn't true of all the books on our slate today, where I was like, where I felt like it was a chore to get through. Right. Yeah. You know, and like that's the highest praise you can say about something that like isn't really for you. Is that it's good and it didn't bother you? Yeah, and I think I think that's where I fall. Um, I, as I said, I'm not I'm not a Venom fan, and I'm not entirely sure if I'm a Donny Cates fan. Uh, but of the things we've been reading, I had more of a positive experience with this, um as opposed to what I was reading with, like, X of Swords and then, like, you know, uh, Empire um, or even going back to Heroes in Crisis. Like, I just kind of... We're we're running sort of uh, O for 15,000, O for the comics industry in in terms of events right now. And uh, 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 this one had me going, yeah, all right, that was was all right. (laughs) Yeah. Is that at all based on your expectations for those books versus this one? Uh, how do you mean? So I know that with each of those, you know, you had thoughts going in as far as like what you thought they would be quality wise, or you might have been more connected to them on some level uh, versus this, something we haven't really talked about on this show. And it really features primarily characters you don't care about. Well, it doesn't hurt. So, like, I guess my question is, did your lack of care for this make it easier to read even though, like, you didn't feel connected to these people? I I do think for the event, I think, you know, for the first issue of the event, it it establishes stakes and does what it's trying to do well. You know, so so I think yes, but also I do think it is well constructed, Mm. you know, for what it is. So, yeah. You know, it's, like, kind of the one thing uh, I'm going to be, like, a nitpicky, like, comic book nerd about um, that I thought was weird is that, like, isn't it kind of weird that Nell has the Venom symbol on his chest? Like, is there an explanation for that? Because isn't the only reason that Venom has that because the symbiote was attached to Spider-Man? No. Not uh, anymore. Yeah, my... my oh, okay, that's been recontextualized. My knowledge of it is that that symbol comes from Null. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the the whole Venom history has been completely rewritten. Yeah, and it just happens to look like a spider. Yeah, over over the last is it uh, supposed to be a dragon? Yeah, it looks it looks I, I it, like I immediately was like it looks kind of similar to the uh, the dragons that are flying around like sure loosely. I think I think Knowles is supposed to be a dragon, where I think Venom's is closer to a spider. As I don't know, as right. I understand from a podcast you're, I listened to six years ago, I don't fucking know. You're correct, but also obviously that's a cute explanation. Yeah, as yeah. To, like they look very similar. Yeah, um, sure. Okay, I, 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 Fair I go enough. basically like I, I like this issue and well enough. I had some problems with it, but those problems are things that are probably um, I'm probably in the minority as far as like people who would take issue with them. By and large, I think if you compare this to like the first issue of Empire, this is leagues better than that. It's it's yeah. it technically doesn't do anything wrong. 
but it I also couldn't connect with it either. Um, yeah. Seeing the Celestials come down was kind of cool, but it's also extra. It's like so <laughs> over overwhelming yeah. that it's just like, all right, so what does this guy not have? Yeah. And then when he yep. loses, what does that say? Like, why would I ever care about him again? So, you, you yeah. Know? And I, I think like the fact that all of that shit happens in one issue, yeah. you, I, I feel like a little numb to right, it. Right, exactly. Like any one of those moments would be like, oh, shit. But it, all of them, it's like, all right, whatever. Well, for for the Celestials, he, those are his like three guardians in black, in in, in Silver Surfer Black. Like those yeah. are the ones that, that he just like has on, at his disposal generally before so they right. enter his realm. They're like his posse as opposed to like the real Celestials, right? Right. I which see. is which is fine, right? Like conceptually, I have no problem with that. In fact, conceptually, I don't have a problem with anything that happens. My only thought was what Pete said, where it's like, okay, man, you're doing a lot in the first. Where do you go from here? For the very first chapter, like, mm. let yeah. leave something else, you know. Um, how how long is this? Do you know? I actually don't know. It's um, uh, five issues. Okay. All right. So that that you know that's not that's not too bad. Um, I did want to shift gears a little bit and talk about another issue that I had, which was actually with the inks and colors. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I just flat out the gate. I don't think that this is a match made in heaven. Ryan Stegman's art and absolute carnage and the way that he was inked and penciled there versus here. I think that style suits way more towards what he does um, than this does. It, it lost a lot of its energy, I thought, here. Um, yeah, some of it was really awkward. Like the first introduction of the Avengers – Yep. Um I I that page looks really off to me. Yeah. Like particularly Captain Marvel. Um but then like even like I think it's like yeah, it's the next page where like Tony like his eyes just look like like bloodshot. Like he looks evil. <laughs> he does, yeah. You know, he looks like sinister as fuck and like he's they're they're running planetary defense right now. Like he's the good guy in this scenario. <laughs> what yeah. is this? I- the, with the colors, it feels like everything's got this weird orange film to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too yes, like that. That especially in those There's moments, like a tint. yeah, especially in those moments with the Avengers, like it doesn't make them look good. Mm-mm. And I think that they were probably deliberately chosen because of the way that they, because of Null, because I think that Null actually looks pretty cool. Throughout this book, for the most part, yeah. Um, but I and I and I think that that makes sense. But I think that's at sacrifice to the rest of the characters. Venom and Null look the way they should. Everybody else looks a little weird. Yeah, I, I feel like um, you know, like we we always call out in like the the current slate of X books, like how there's like a lot of usage of like blues and pinks, and like that's kind of the distinct color palette of like what's going on with the the Krakoa stuff is like it's this vapor wavy kind of vibe and this i feel like it's a way over reliance on like red and orange like everything is red or orange or black and it's like that when that works that really works but in this it it just feels a little bit like stiff maybe yeah flat totally I- and it's like you look at like the page uh, with Storm, 
and it's like the blue there. It's like, oh my god, it's a breath of fresh air. Like, and I guess that's kind of the point. Like, the planet's engulfed in black, but like, I don't know. Then like, you go back to the scene of like, it's at that same page I called out earlier with Tony and Professor X, like, and they're seemingly sitting in front of screens, and it's just like this weird greenish reddish hue that it's like what room are you in what is the lighting in this fucking room and these screens that looks like this you know what i mean everybody's uh everybody's a 14 year old on their computer in the basement at 3 a.m yeah like in pitch fucking black (laughs) in my opinion uh and we'll see how this thing plays out if you want to see what ryan stegman's art looks like divorced from uh, a mismatch in colors and inks check out absolute carnage like huh. that that book looked crazy like it was over the top good compared to this which i think looks all right um but doesn't do it's this anyone but no justice it's the small pay it's the small moments where i think it suffers the most any other thoughts before we move on are we gonna uh, follow this uh i don't think so yes <laughs> Cool. I'm fine with that. Of course, if you want us to follow it, write in and let us know, and we'll do that. And but, we won't. Um, <laughs> no, we on will. On the outset, I'm not in, I'm not intrigued enough to want to. I'll, I'm going to buy it, but I'm not intrigued enough to, you know, uh, present it every month for, you know, talking about it. Um, yeah. Let's get into our double dose of Tom King, and we'll start with uh, Batman Catwoman number one. This, of course, by Tom King. Clay Man, the one everyone's here for, ah. and uh, uh, Tamu Mori. Uh, so, this issue, this series, is going to take place across three timelines, essentially. So, the past, um, essentially like Catwoman and Batman's past with each other. You know, some of the will they, won't they stuff that we saw in um, his run on Batman. Um, and following through with that, the present that takes place immediately after the City of Bane and the end of Tom King's uh, run on the mainline Batman title, and the future, which takes place after Batman uh, Batman Annual number four, I want to say, and Catwoman 80th, uh, Tom's stories and those, in which we see that uh, Batman and Catwoman have a child together they have a daughter named helena and that batman has died that bruce has passed so i I say those things out the gate because this book doesn't really try to fill you in too much on anything i just said nope i had had no idea you you said that i'm like oh that makes sense yeah yeah now i understand (laughs) so in addition to all of that it also introduces uh, the phantasm, and we'll talk about that. But just hold on. It introduces the phantasm, a character that has never been in a comic book before. So it does all of those things within its within its you know pages. I'm not sure of the exact page count, but um, that's a lot. And so that's how we'll start. It. It's a lot, and I think now that you've laid that out, I think it's also, if that was the way it was being promoted, initially is sort of a disappointment because like, it's, 
it comes up in one page, one panel, and then it's towards the end and that's it, right? Like that, none of that is established and I'm sure it will later on, but if that's what we were sort of like getting promoted, it was getting promoted, if that was going to be like the big thing, it's a disservice because it's in one panel at the very end. And I thought that was a little uh, frustrating. <coughs> Sorry, I just want to be clear. What what are you what are you Fan- saying? Phantasm, like 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 he it the 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 whole book like everything around it was like oh man the phantasm is coming the phantasm is coming right and all all the this book does is apparently tie in timelines from a pre from his previous run and we get one panel that even services the mask of the phantasm and it's not even like mentioned or talked about it's just it's one glimpse and that's it i mean as far as that goes this is also issue one yeah sure i have a lot more problems with this book than what it does for that but but i think to marco's point it's like it does all that but it doesn't do the thing that we like signed up for yeah so i want to say this because i also think this is important this book uh acts as if mask of the phantasm the movie is canon the things that happened in that movie happened Right, right um and so when you see Andrea Beaumont, like you have to read Anna, her. You fucking see her. Oh, Clay Man. buddy. This is that's what Clay Man does. Damn. He's the guy. My man is worked up. Um you have to read her as if all of those things are true. And that adds more depth to the character. But it also means that if you've never seen that movie before, you don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Who she is. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kale. I was going to say, I mean, it, it feels like the most we get is a reference to Alfred's funny moments when he walks into, uh, you know, in on Bruce making out every five seconds in that movie. But also the most we really get with Andrea is, oh, yeah, she's an old girlfriend. Right. And right. by the way, that that panel you're referencing actually happened in uh during Tom King's run. That that's like a like a that's like a redo. Like they they did that already. It's a flashback oh, okay. kind of thing. Oh, okay. Well, it, yeah, that's also a running joke in the in the film, which right. you know, I, yeah, I'm sure you guys know, but um yeah, I I don't know. I I did that that is the complaint I have with the phantasm is like it glosses over the facts that it's trying to present with like Andrea Beaumont just being, oh, she's just an ex. Like, it's whatever. Mm. Yeah, and like to Marco's point, I'm sure we'll get more of that later, but it's like, I don't know, dude, like for this issue to, for it to be doing so much and to feel like we're we're lacking things, I don't know, man. Like, this... I really dislike this issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think if I had the context that Sean offered, I might have felt a little bit less that way because I, I think part of it was that I felt so lost. Yes. But it like, but I also just think the delivery was bad. Yeah. Like it's there's so much fucking jumping around, and it's not clear. It's not clear where the lines are, right? Like the whole. 
we're going to do a, a multi-timeline thing in one book. Okay, fine, right? Like, Strange Adventures is doing that. But, like, you look at Strange Adventures, right? And whenever there's a shift, it's super clear that there's a shift because there's a different artist, A. It's a different setting. And, like, the vibe is so different. And, like, I look at this and it's, like, the the first page, right? The Literally the first actual page of the book is you have the the future storyline and it's Catwoman driving in this car. And, like, I didn't notice that she looked old right away. Like, her hair yeah, is gray. And, like, that didn't clock for me right away. I was like, oh, was okay. Like, I thought like, it was the bandana, like, also wrapped around her head. It was also just gray. Yeah, Fucking. right. So I, I just, like, didn't connect with that. And then the end of that page is flashback, right? And then the next page is we're still in, in this. Flashback. You know, which is, I guess, the, the current quote-unquote timeline yeah. and then look the end of that page is him looking at alfred into what is another flashback for one yeah. panel yeah then the ne- on the next page that's where it is then the next the next two panels on that page are back in the future uh storyline and then we're we're back in the the current day stuff and it's just it's so all over the place and like you're going back and forth between them with no rhyme or reason that like it wasn't until i don't know like a good amount of pages in where i actually clocked what was happening like when selena uh says like these are the grandkids yes i was like oh she's old fuck so (laughs) tom is using a very unconventional um passage of time strategy with this series and you can see that uh across this book and rorschach and stranger strange adventures um he has a different mode of showing you that time that we're that we're leaving the time we're in and going into another one with each book so in this one it's two things it's color and it's catwoman catwoman's costume change tells you what timeline you're in and that's what you have. That's what you're supposed to uh, utilize as your strategy. You're also supposed mm. to utilize the color. So whenever it goes from red to blue, you know that you have just shifted timelines, um, and that's cool. But not everyone who reads comics reads them like that. So I didn't pick up on that, right? Which is fine. Like you're not. You don't need to have like a degree in comics to be able to pick up a book, right? So, um... <laughs> Apparently you do, because fucking I didn't get it. <laughs> and I got two. And he has the degree. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, like, that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. But in a book that's moving at such a breakneck pace, you you can't... you Tom, like, he's trying to have everything. You can't have absolutely everything. Not in the first issue. If you're gonna br- if you're gonna jump timelines, do it, but do it slower. Show us a little more of each timeline um, uh, per segment. You know, I don't personally think this book needed to jump around so much. I think that that was too jarring. Yeah. Um, even I like I knew what I was looking at, but it's like okay, but I want to sit with at least one of these, and you never get to. Um, but then let's actually talk about where, where the book falls apart even further in my mind, which is in what's actually happening. So what's the story? And Andrea comes to Bruce and wants him to help her 
figure out what's going on with her son. Her son is like lost or whatever, and she needs, you know, he's got nothing, and she wants to find him. Uh, and then in the future, um, Bruce is dead, and uh, Catwoman wants vengeance for. She wants to know what happened to Andrea's son, and she wants, you know, re- revenge for it or whatever. Okay, cool. Why does Selena care about that? Well, we don't know. Because in this issue, the only context we have is the initial, like, oh, this is who Andrea is. She's got a son. This is what is going on. Selena is learning these things right now. So in our present story, that's where she's at. In the future, she's got an axe to grind, and she's actually supporting Andrea's um, agenda. But why is she doing that? Like, it's cool to show us the the initial learning of it, but to jump so far ahead to where she cares, there's a lot missing. Obviously, between issues 2 and 12, we're going to learn why she cares. But Oh, fucking hell. Right. But right this minute, we don't know. And so that scene where she cares has no weight. Also, maybe this is me, you know, being too much of like a nitpicky dork. But like, I don't buy the whole future thing. Like the whole reveal that like it's Joker. (laughs) Well... It and and it goes through this whole issue. Like I'm sitting here on this page with uh, uh, Joker in the white fedora, and Catwoman is looking at the necklace or whatever, and I just don't buy that whole relationship. No, I don't. Like I don't. I don't buy any of the Joker's dialogue. Like I don't like the way that he's behaving with with Catwoman. Like their level of like familiarity that they're showing, and that like he's so like. Oh, like you're a villain and you're having sex with Batman. Like this isn't you. Like you're fun. Like it's like who? Like I don't. I don't know. That doesn't ring true to me at all. And then for it to be like in the future where she shows up and he's like, "Oh, it's so nice to see you." And like we're gonna talk about our grandkids and stuff. Like in what fucking universe do you believe that the Joker like was settled down and got normal and had a family and then like retired to Florida or whatever. Like that just doesn't, if it was a different villain, sure. But the Joker, I don't know. Yeah. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And Sean, if it was fucking Bane. Sure. Right? Whatever. But like even the penguin, like, yeah, yeah. Like somebody who's like fucking somewhat normal, but like the Joker whose entire thing is that he's, fucking insane beyond you know beyond comprehension beyond belief like he's the absolute epitome of like the mentally ill super villain in 2020 like alone the joker is built yeah. up and we're supposed to believe this like um have, have you guys and sean you said you have have you guys seen uh mark or pete have you guys seen mask of the phantasm yeah mm-hmm. once yeah. Oh, you have? Okay, cool. Did you guys buy the premise that Andrea would come to Bruce to uh, find her son because she's afraid of the Joker? No. Um, what? The whole fucking... Like, I love that movie. That That is yeah. one of my top five favorite movies. I didn't buy a goddamn line of that. Like, no, it made I, no I, sense. I didn't... 
that didn't ring true for me. And at first I was willing to just be like, okay, well, this is a different Andrea. So like, that is what it is. But then to Sean's point, it, it asks you to consider that canon. So then like, no, that doesn't play for me. And I also don't think that you needed to include that detail. Like her coming to Bruce because it's in Gotham makes enough sense. I've been hiding for the last 14 years or whatever it was, right? My kids lost in your city where you, and you have, you know, like he know he can find anyone in Gotham. He can figure out anything in Gotham. That's his fucking playground. Of course you would go ask him, right? It's your kid. You're desperate. You're nervous. You're trying to go back underground. Fine. Like, but I'm so scared of the Joko. Please. Who apparently in this, in this story is like somewhat normal. Nathan Lane. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that and that was one of my other big problems was the Joker from uh, Mask of the Phantasm has a concrete origin, right? Like we know the yeah. movie establishes very clearly who he is mm. and how he relates to all these characters. Yep. And there's no way it's not possible to reconcile that with even. Even Tom King's own stories that include the Joker, let alone like even three Jokers, which we just read, or anything else. Like it's not possible. You can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. So I understand that black label books generally are like loosely canon. Tom King did an interview in which he said that this book is like over top of canon, essentially, so that it doesn't necessarily fit and it's not intended to fit, but like the killing joke, it could fit. No. Right. That's okay. bullshit. That's But it's not. You're, you're, the, to me, that's playing way too fast and loose because you're also choosing <clears throat> you're also choosing to continue from City of Bane, which is canon. So how could City of Bane be canon? Mask of Phantasm be canon and this not be canon all at the same time? Well, that, that's the thing is I, I don't even – I don't have a problem with you being like fast and loose with acknowledging like these things apply and these things don't or whatever, right? Well, what but like that's the thing is it's not clear either. Like it's it's not like, you know – like like Three Jokers, for example, I think you can take that out of out of continuity and be like, okay, like clearly – it acknowledges that, like, the killing joke happened. Like, that is canon in this story, and that's apparent from the writing. So, like, fair play. That's enough for me as a reader. In this, it's like, you're asking me to accept that Mask of the Phantasm is canon, but that this Joker is acting differently than the Joker that you're telling me is canon there, while also saying that stuff that happened in Tom King's Batman run and then also these two random side stories that he did are the setup and are also important to the backbone of the story. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you want to just say that, you know, these things are canon, fine, but you can't give me and say like, well, you have to accept that the plot of Mask of the Phantasm happened, but that it's not the same Batman and it's not the same Andrea, but they're the same, but they're different. Like, it's too, like, it's too messy. This It's way too messy. This is exactly what I don't like about the 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 idea of DC's loose omniverse. This is what, this is what you get. And, th- and this is one of DC's elite writers. This shit doesn't make sense. And if you turn off your brain 
and you say, well, okay, forget it all, then how do you connect with the story? It's a lose-lose, in my opinion. That's how I feel. I'm sure there are people who, you know, like the book. I read I read reviews where, where they were very um very favorable, but um I just can't. I, I don't know. I I wanted to like it. You guys have you guys know I've been super excited for this. This did not scratch the itch that I was hoping it would. The one thing I liked uh was Sewer King. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> My I, man, Sewer King. I'm a big fan of Selena jamming to Silent Night. I think that, you know... That's random. Running down the highway in a convertible, uh, cat in your lap, jamming to Silent Night. That's Why that's not? a dream. Yo, I want her cat in my lap. Whoa! Oh. Hello, uh, do you, I, I want another cat, bro. Like, I have two, I want another, like... I just, Real, come on. Real quick, Marco, I specifically want to hear your thoughts on this. You know the page um, that that Kale was referencing earlier, where the Joker's in this like suit with no jacket, and he's like kind of looking off to the side while Selena's talking to him. It's got like the pink background. Yeah. To me, this looks like when you're in like Artist Alley at Comic Con, and you see like the animeified version of like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it looks like it's like it's like what if like the Joker was in like a sexy yeah, anime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because he's like looking off in like the distance, and it's he like looks very pretty. You know, like, yo, that's a fly outfit. This that's a cosplay. You, you know, you bring up the art. This book is so hot. Like visually, it's this pretty. book is oh my god, Clay Man. Like, dude, this is why <laughs> I wanted to read this book so damn bad. You're gonna you're telling me. That Clay Man is gonna draw Catwoman and um, Andrea Beaumont for twelve issues. Yup, some cat booty. Uh, what about what about the page where where Bruce is talking about how he installed the new security and then Catwoman like climbs in the bed? Please break into my house. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty erotic. <laughs> and there were you know there were people saying oh this is like cheesecake this is like you know eh, shut up. I mean, I mean, yeah, it is, but it's Clay Man. Like that's his style. Yeah, like, like you, you, what are you, how are you going to complain about a dude doing what he does? This is his yeah. job. This is what he gets yeah. paid to do. This is his style. Yeah. Um. And 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 by the way, I argue that the men in this book favor just as well. Oh yeah. No, because that's the thing, right? Is like I think that's why it doesn't bother me. Is because like it doesn't feel like explicitly male gazy, like I just said. Like I feel like like the Joker looks like a fucking dreamboat like in that shot. I'd bone. You know what I mean? I'd bone like, this version of Alfred all day. Shit, even old Selena um, can get it. Like ev- it just looks like everybody in this book is just hot. Like that's the thing. Is like, what if everyone in the world was sexy fucking as fuck? CW drama. <laughs> All right. Like Batman and Catwoman are like like getting ready to have sex on this fucking roof too in this one part. You know they're like, oh, I really need to go. The Joker's escaped or whatever. But maybe I'll just keep biting your fucking neck. That's like, pretty Tom King, I think. I think he's got a thing for rooftops. He sure it, does, dude. Read his Batman run. There's like every no. freaking. All right, I yeah, want to. Don't. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, there, there, there are other things to say, I guess, about this issue, but I, I don't feel compelled to say them. Quite frankly, um, I, just, I didn't like it. I, yeah. I intend on reading every single issue of this run. I do. Um, God but bless. it's not because I loved <laughs> what I read here. Yep. <laughs> I'll just watch Mask of the Phantasm again. Okay. Fair enough. 
It did. It did get me interested in doing that, and I've been like thinking about rewatching animated series for a while. So maybe it's time to just double down and do that. Let's talk about Strange Adventures, another Tom King joint. This time he is joined by Mitch Jareds and Evan Doc Shaner, uh, with letters by Clayton Cowles, the man. Um, I have to say, and I'm so interested in what everyone else thinks about this issue. Me too. I really, really liked it. Really? Yep. I liked it too. Interesting. Okay. You didn't like it, Wait, did you? Wait, Marco, Marco didn't like I'll... it? You're the one who liked everyone. No, I was down on this issue. I, okay. Wow. Not a fan either. Did you like six? Uh, I did love I did like six. Yeah, he very much. Six. So. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yo, go back to listen to that review. I, I missed that one. That was one. a good review. Damn, what episode? Yeah, I missed that review. review. I don't know, but that was a great review. Um yeah, so one of my biggest issues with this story so far has been the lack of answers or reveals. And I said last time that Seven uh, needed to give us something and it needed to be a turning point. I think by now you probably know whether or not the series is for you. Uh, seven issues deep. And I, 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 I it's funny because I actually I said that and I don't know if this is series is for me. But I know that this issue finally gives us an answer as to what the hell happened with that one dude uh, that got killed. Okay. Um, All right. Like way back when. So (laughs) I wish Phil were here because I know he's going to get this reference. And what frustrates me is – so, okay. Um, Andy Daly does a character on Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, It's an improv comedy podcast um, where comedians come on and they do certain characters uh, based on, uh, you know, the the conversation. So Andy Daly does a character called Dalton Wilcox, who's the poet laureate laureate of the West, cowboy poet. The other thing about Dalton Wilcox is that he also hunts monsters. And the thing about what makes this so funny is he finds monsters just kind of in his everyday life. So one of the big stories is that, like, oh, he had a flat tire. But then he looked at the guy and he realized, hey, wait a minute. That guy's a vampire. (laughs) And he he shoots him because the guy asked him for 50 bucks. That's how I felt about this. I was like, hold on a second. Adam Strange didn't like that the guy didn't like his book. Hold on a minute. Wait just one goddamn minute. I'm Adam Strange. I wrote a... I'm the hero of two goddamn worlds, and this guy doesn't like my book? Why would he be throwing things? He must be a picket. I gotta kill him. But he's a human. And, like, it's... What? (laughs) Well, I... I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but and I felt similarly, but I genuinely believe the book explains that really well because of the context of his torture. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the, right. the fact that he is clearly dealing with severe PTSD, the likes of which no like regular human has ever experienced before. And he probably shouldn't be in the world, but he is. And this is that's the result is that He's not, he's not all there. He's he's screwed yeah. up. That was what I got from it was that like it felt 
you know, and I, you know, uh, if Phil was here, he'd probably argue that it's Tom King playing to his uh, his experiences too much. But you know, it felt to me very much like um, epitomized by that kind of comment that we get from Alana about how you know he came back and he was changed, mm. right? Like he was a different person, and that she didn't know what he experienced while he was captive, and that like it felt very much like a man in the throes of, of PTSD from both the war and, you know, everything that he's experienced there, but then also just the psychological torture that he underwent for God knows how long. I guess, I guess my issue with that was I didn't feel like they were connected in the same way that like, I, it, it, like it didn't feel like the, the stuff that's happening in the past and the stuff that's happening now, like it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel they don't feel related yet. Mm. See, to me, I think like this this stuff and like this issue specifically, like, but this this kind of subject matter that they've flirted with here and there is what connects them for me. Yes. Where it's like the things that we see him doing and experiencing in the past inform the decisions that he's making now that we don't quite understand right. yet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I think for me the the example you brought up, Kale, was frustrating because the whole book starts on him then going to Batman and being like, "It wasn't me." Like, solve this, and it's like, "Well, if you're Batman, and if this is how you're being you're presenting this, like, he's gonna solve it." And and maybe he did, and maybe that's why he decided to bring on Mister Terrific. Was the other thought that I had was because he needs to do a deeper. Like surely, a, surely, there's something bigger than just this, right? And and yeah. I think that that was um, the other piece that I kind of maybe tried to connect, but I don't think it, that it was set up in a satisfying way for me because it was it was this one guy getting killed, which like now it makes sense, but um, I, I I don't know that it's like executed that well. Um, and um, the other thing that. Like it, it starts to it starts to also give context for like how he's gotten more and more violent, which which I think we right. we we've we've talked about and and have noted in the past, and I think that that was definitely a good context. Um, the the thing that we brought up in in um our number six review, uh, which was episode two two oh eight. If you guys want to go check it out, nice. Um, was the like the colors right where the colors help derive some sort of set of truth and distinguishing between what was a lie uh and what was um alana's perceived understanding and one of the things that i think this book does is sort of confirms that because every scene that we see here with um adam is not in any blue or orange hue it's all plain colors like it's it's all colors that aren't um in, that aren't steeped in that and if anything they're like rainbowed and and that obviously has to do with like his torture but he's all of this is the the objective truth that he's experienced that uh we're still trying to figure out um i i i don't remember i don't know who this guy is and i I'm, i don't know what his deal is and we'll obviously have to find out but i think because it was so erratic it kind of frustrated me. Like I, I, I was down on this issue because of how erratic it was, and um, how we haven't we weren't fed as much information as much as given reasons as to why some of his past, uh, past events in the book has made sense. 
that makes That's sense. Interesting. I feel like we got so much information here. Yep. Hmm. Like, and it's not all contextualized yet, but I think that's the yeah. thing, right? Is like, to me, the entire adventure of, <clears throat> I didn't mean to set myself up for this, but the entire adventure of reading Strange Adventures has Strange. been that it's, it's a, it's a puzzle piece, you know, or not, it's a puzzle piece. Like it's, it's a, it's a puzzle or it's a mosaic, mm. a like strange metaphor. piece. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh <laughs> Each, each issue gives you another piece and it's not always a piece that's right next to the pieces you already have right like sometimes it is sometimes we get a glimpse of something that gives us more right like in the the present day storyline we got the movement forward of that thread from way back when when adam killed this guy right and that was us picking up from what we've already learned Whereas most of this was new information, was Adam was captured. Adam was tortured. Um, the pickets had some ulterior motive, right? And that is all kind of connected to the conversation that Awana had with Mr. Terrific in issue number six. So, like, I feel like they are, like, it's still drip feeding, but I feel like we learned a lot here and we got updates on a lot of things that have been going on. And, like, this feels less to me, like, jumping all over the place than some of the earlier issues did because six, like, leave... Like, the takeaway from issue six is that there's something that Adam hasn't told a lot, right. right? And we get an immediate answer to that in this issue. So, part of the reason why I love this issue is because of the quote at the end. And normally, those Tom King quotes that he likes to add, I'm like, eh, whatever. Um... I thought this one was actually really strong as it relates to Adam Strange. And so it says, I mean, in one of my stories, the guy gets killed. He goes to another world. The bad guy gets it. And then he goes back to this beautiful world with this beautiful girl. I think that's lovely. That's a lovely story. It should happen to everybody. And that's a quote from Al Williamson. Now, I take that and I think about soldiers. And how the way we think about soldiers is they go away, they do a heroic thing for their country, they come back, and they're the hero. They get the glory, they get their 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 woman, you know, their beautiful wife, their children, and everything else, and they live happily ever after. And we applaud their efforts while they're doing them, we celebrate them when they get back, and then we forget that they exist. This story is showing us that in between the heroic, you know, going away and the coming back, there are things that happen that alter that person. There's like an actual lived experience in there that none of us know or care to know. And only yeah. that person has to live with what they did or what was done to them and how that changes them. And that adds context to the way that they go on to live their lives. We know, unfortunately, sometimes veterans do have issues returning to the world. And maybe they're more angry. Maybe they're more violent. Maybe they're sadder. Whatever it is that they're experiencing is because of what they went through. And now I understand what this book is about because of that quote. I think that this issue clearly establishes what this book is about. That it's about Adam Strange's experience in the war and the difference between the story of what he went through, which is the book that he yeah. wrote, 
And everything that we see whenever um, uh, Doc Shaner is the artist and the reality of what he went through and how he feels about it and how it changed him, which is everything that we see when Mitch Jarrett is drawing. That's now how I see this book. And to me, that is a book I really want to read. I agree. Um, Can't wait and, for the and trade. I, <laughs> which, fair enough. And I, I think I, I said that in the beginning. I don't think this is a book that benefits from you reading it month to month. I don't. I think you're better off waiting. And I think if you've been listening to these reviews, you know, or like you know we've been reading the book, but you've been waiting for the trade, um, I would. I would wait for the trade because I missed – uh, the issue six review. So today I, I read six and seven back to back and I found that to be a much more rewarding experience than reading it month to month. I really did. Mm. Um, so that's, that's kind of my take is I do, I do like this issue and I, I think I do like this series. Um, but I also get it not hitting for you because I don't, I think, I think it is a thing that is going to benefit a lot more from you sitting and reading it in a day or two than, over the course of a year, personally. I, you know, and I disagree. I disagree. And this is something that is borderline unique to comics. The only uh, other medium that has this is television. And now with binge watching, that's even going away. Yeah. Uh, you need to sure. sit and think about these issues. I truly believe that. I believe that you're not supposed to read them and then put them aside. I believe you're supposed to read it. And have time to ruminate over it and come to whatever conclusion you're going to come to. And then that's that. I read this issue and I picked up on those things. But it's the context of all of the months that we've been reading this that allows me to get where I'm at with this series. And yeah, I've been frustrated. I've had a lot of problems with this book. But I think the format of comics and the way that it re- it has released – uh allows you the space and time to think about it in a way that you can't when you read the trade. But that's just how I think about it. And I obviously am a proponent of the month-to-month comics thing. And so for me, uh, this is working now. To your point, though, I, I guess I will say uh, to to argue against myself is the last page that you just called out with the quote and the the panel preceding it and um, and following it, I think like that last page is really powerful and that's a powerful way to end an issue and it has less weight if you don't have to wait for the next right bit. So there's something to be said for that. Um staying on that last panel and tying that into the quote. So I sort of I sort of read it as like a foreshadow in which uh, I I think that and and this this should be like 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 wrong, right? Where like I th- I think that strain adam is gonna somehow side with the pikes picks and and um when they come back to the to the beautiful world with the beautiful girl like to earth um that's gonna be the the sort of guilt that he's living with is that um they lost this world like he goes to another world and the bad guy gets it right the, the he's gonna somehow come to some sort of agreement or deal where he has to sacrifice assumingly uh Aaliyah to the pikes where they're allowed to rule but maybe not invade or something the, the, there's there's some sort of complication there that i think is a foreshadow that's tied into this last page and the quote that i've been trying to to, to parse out 
Yeah, right, because, like, I mean, it has to be on some level. Like, what happened with his daughter has to be connected to what's going on right now and what we're seeing and what we're learning today in this issue. And that's really the only uh, fruit left hanging, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, And Tom has four issues to unveil that. And so that, right, maybe that's too long. It's hard for me to understand now, sitting where we're at, with one major plot point left to reveal um, how he's going to fill that time um, in between. And I hope we don't get back to the place where this book is frustrating because, again, part of the frustration that I had before has nothing to do with the format. Part of it is literally just, hey, dude, you're taking one issue to say nothing, you know, like – Come on. And if you read that in a trade or whatever, that's still an issue that feels wasted. So I don't want to go back to that. I want the reveals to keep up. I want the, the, the real like thoughtful, um, you know, language to keep being conveyed. And that, that torture sequence is the first time this entire series that I felt anything for Adam. Hmm. That was powerful. Interesting. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right, though. Yeah. Um. Just to the so I I think the you said like the last fruit would be Aaliyah. I I think there's two that that are sort of left on the tree, which is okay. I don't think the war came out the way that we're thinking right. it did. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. I've seen a bunch of comments that uh are saying that like the. That maybe the pickets are looking to do like a mass suicide by hero. Like they want him to kill them. Weirdly, mm. I got that same vibe from this issue. Interesting. There was something in the language that, that gave me that. Yeah, where he says, um, it's like one of the last pages, right? He says, I'm going to kill you, every one of you, all of you. I'll kill all of you, whatever. And then he goes, well, yeah, man, that's like the plan. <laughs> pretty clear language then. So it is in the language. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some language there that so, does seem to point right, to that. Uh, right in the text. True. You might say it's textual. <laughs> all right. No subtext here. Uh, quickly, um, the the quote uh, Al Williamson, uh, funnily enough, is the cre- not the creator, but he was a prolific artist on Flash Gordon. Oh, okay. oh that's cool. So, yeah. Um, Speaking of the art, beautiful as always. Whew. This book's an absolute treat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're very lucky to be able to see not just one of these artists, but both of them on the same series. That's Oh yeah. Amazing. Also, you know, you guys were Oh yeah, go ahead, Marco, show that page. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a good one. Marco, did I tell you I have that um that Bruce Wayne swamp thing uh splash very similar to that one? Uh I have that as a, a desktop background. Oh really? Where they're just sitting across from each other. Damn, that's, that's cool. I, I was just saying like like that one and then this one. If 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 he wasn't digital, I'd buy this like this yeah. is this is fucking cool. Yeah. Like a print yeah, or something. Sure. Um Yeah, similar to how you guys were were talking about uh about the art in the last uh, Batcat being like woof like man, I just have like Alana is my uh my new comic book crush. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Feel you. Oh, and 
You know, I love a, I love a feisty brunette. <laughs> and, uh, for for audio listeners, I was referencing page eighteen. That that one splash, like, like one two page spread, um, really really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, we've we've gushed about the art over over six issues now. Seven. This is a very beautiful book, and you know, I am not. Uh, I, I I didn't examine this issue. Um, visually the way that Marco tends to. So maybe there is even more to be mined from this book or from this particular issue that I didn't even get. But um, needless to say, it is it is very, very tremendous work that these artists are doing. And I believe that Tom is rising to the occasion, at least with this issue. And um, the last one, I think, also was, was pretty strong. So yeah. I really hope yeah. that trend continues. And I would love for this series to end strong. Same. Me too. I, and I... I have more confidence after these two issues that it will than I have throughout the entire run. Yeah. So if they keep this momentum, like they've they've definitely um, got a fan in me right oh, now. Oh, and and we're still missing uh, Mister Terrific. Like that's the other shoe that has to drop. His yeah, like he said in six right. that he's still he's still looking into everything, and you know, so yeah, yeah, we still have a few stones left unturned. All right, well, uh, we will of course be back to um, yes. turn those stones with you all and let you know what we think about what's underneath them. So uh, stick around. Join us next month when we review Strange Adventures and all the other books that we'd like to discuss um, or anything else we, we don't. talk about on this show. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. If there is a, a book you want us to review, uh, hit us up and let us know what that might be. And if you're interested in adding to the dialogue about any of the books that we did review this week be sure to write in and let us know what your thoughts are you can do so by hitting us up at the comicspals at gmail.com of course if you want us on social media we are the comics pals there as well all podcast hosting platforms generally speaking you can leave us a comment there as well if you'd like um, and while you're there make sure you leave us a, a comment or rather um you leave us a uh, re- a review of some kind whatever the the, the review form is there uh, drop that for us. It's really appreciated, and that helps us out a ton. If you're watching this on YouTube, we thank you very much for that. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you're made aware of when we drop new content. Hit the like button, of course, and share this video with your friends so that they're aware that we're out here and that you like what we do. All of the things I mentioned are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Uh, we've got some. We've got a ton of book clubs out at this point, um, and uh, we've ended the year really strong with those. I encourage you to go check out our slate of book clubs. Some people on our Discord are going back and finding that we've done some that they didn't realize we had done, and so I think you might have that same experience if you give us a shot on that. And check out the one for December, our last for the year, which is Hicksville. Uh, if you still have time if you want to pick it up. I'm not even sure if you'll, if there are any more copies left on Amazon. but uh, We might have got the last couple. Right? <laughs> um, so go check that out if you want to and join us at the end of the month when we do our Hicksville Book Club. With that, let's get into the plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to get some more content from me, uh, you can head over to lootpots.com and check out the Potscast, which is the weekly Nintendo uh, slash video game podcast that I do over there. Uh, and then uh, I've been streaming on Thursday nights over on uh, their Twitch channel as well. So uh, if you want to get some more time with me, that's an easy way to do it. Kill. 
this week, as I said, I finished uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and boy, do I have some opinions. Uh, in the pants. That I have some opinions in the pants, and that's why my wife likes me. You can find me at Toto and Toe, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at killwar.com, C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Marco. You can find me at Mr. Marco Inamoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, come talk to me about Adam Strange. Um, Sean mentioned, you know, if you want to continue the conversation, I know Sultan of Swing has been particularly high in this book, and, and he typically uh, adds to um, our analysis, and that's always uh, a great thing. Um, don't read... Justice League Endless Winter. It's not good. Yeah, oh. I meant to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> the anti-recommendation. Uh, uh, don't, don't bother. <laughs> not good. And uh, you can find Phil at Cyborg Bebop. C-Y-B-O-R-G-B-E-B-O-P-P. Uh, and then lastly, I put out a whole list of like recommended Constantine places to start if you're a Constantine fan and want a Constantine fan and want to like dig into the character. Um, that's on the Discord. We had a great conversation on that, so come come join. Man, that'd be great content for a video. Like um, a video, like maybe you should do it there. There you go. Stay stay tuned for a video. I guess the pressure's on. Give me a script, bitch. <laughs> As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, I'm still playing Spider-Man, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man. I'm not on Miles yet. I got a PS5, as I said, so I'm really uh, diving deep into that, but also trying to get through my massive backlog of comics. I just caught up with Donny Kate's store. It's good shit. Uh, with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you Bye. next week. Wait a minute. Wait just one goddamn minute. I think these assholes are a bunch of zombies. Oh no, Phil fell back in the pit!